are on air for Fan for Racing's NASCAR Weekend Preview with Hot Topic Sound Up. And tonight we are previewing the races at Indianapolis Motor Speedway's Road Course. And joining me tonight as co-host is Sal Segala. A little bit of a switch up here, Sal. Yeah, I would say it's a little bit of a switch up. A little bit, a big switch up, actually. Because I'm I've, I've <laughs> yeah. not used to doing this on a Thursday. Exactly. Usually we have uh, Sal on Monday nights and Jay on Thursday nights. Uh, but uh, tonight we're going to have Sal, and he's going to help me with the preview for Indianapolis Motor Speedway. In our first half hour, we are going to uh, spend the first 15 minutes talking about the Arkham and Art Series, the East and the West, and just give you a few updates there. None of those series are actually racing this weekend. Uh, in the next 15 minutes, we will give you some updates from the NASCAR Truck Series, as well, and they are not racing this weekend either, but they will be back on the track next weekend. At the top of the hour, excuse me, at the top of the hour, we're going to spend 15 minutes on the NASCAR Xfinity Series preview at the Indianapolis Road Course and the next 15 minutes on the Cup Series at Indianapolis Speedway's Road Course. Excuse me. Then our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off will start at 9.30 tonight, and we'll have a full hour there to talk about the latest hot topics. So let's go ahead and get into the Arkham and Art Series, as well as the East and the West. Again, they're not racing, but let me let you know when these races are coming up. Uh, let's start with the Arkham Menard series. Uh, they're the first series that will be racing next, and they will be racing August the 20th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time at Michigan International Speedway for the Henry Ford Health System 200. That will be televised, Sal, on NAV TV. So even you guys out there in the West Coast can can uh, watch that race, right? Yeah, actually, yeah. Most of the Arkham and Art series, the regular series, we can watch out here. You know, we have it, you know, they, um, actually, uh, most of, some, I think they do show Fox, I think it's Fox Sports or NBC, I said one of the two. But, um, okay. like you said, if not, then, if not, then they, you know, then it's, it'll be on, um, on Map TV. Right, right. Okay, now the next uh, Sioux Chief Showdown race, well, no, let me go on to the ARCA West first. Uh, the Arkham and Art Series West will be racing next weekend as well. They're going to be racing the Irwindale 150 at Irwindale Speedway at 7 p.m. Pacific time. That's going to be 10 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, but it is going to be available on track pass for NBC Gold members. You'll also be able to watch it at, or not watch it, but listen to it on ARCARacing.com. Their radio coverage will be available there. And um, uh, there's usually the NBC Sports Network delayed broadcast, and we'll give you more of that when we do the preview of that show next week. So uh, a big race for the ARCA West. 
Yes, yes, it is. It's been out here in Irondale. So it'll be – actually, that race will be a sellout because um, what Tim Huddleston does is he runs the Arkham Menard Series West race with what we call our Night of Destruction, where we have um, uh, basically just – the kids like it, the families like it, because all they do is they just tear stuff up on the on the track. <laughs> and, and and those are always a sellout. Out here we have a uh, trailer race that goes along with it, an uh, enduro race where they, they use uh, little import cars. And then um, – and then they're going to have a, like a jet car burn where they burn a car down with the jet car. Then then they always finish off the night with the with the big uh, fireworks show. So yeah, wow. it's, it's going to be it's going to be a big night. And there, as a matter of fact, um, there already well it, it will be a sellout. And Tim was just talking today on social media. He said, "You guys, if you don't hurry up and get your tickets by probably by this week, there's a chance come Monday or Tuesday there will be no tickets left, and that's the last." Our last night of destruction we had with Ark Renard Series West. It sold out like wow. a week and a half before the race. So they, they run the That's race exciting. first, Ark Renard Series. Yeah, they'll run they'll run it first. They'll get it out of the way because after that then the then the track just gets destroyed with debris and all kinds <laughs> of stuff. So they don't want to make sure Yeah. They want to make sure you let none of this stuff it'll get to the way. So yeah, they'll they'll run the right. they'll run the the race first. Oh, okay. That's fantastic. Okay, then the Arkham and Art Series East will be racing along with the Arkham and Art Series on uh, August the 29th at 3 p.m. Eastern Time out at the Milwaukee Mile. And in addition to that being both the Arkham and Art Series race, the Arca East race, it's also a Sioux Chief Showdown race. So uh, drivers will have a chance to earn points in all three of those series. So that's pretty exciting as well. That is going to be televised on MAV-TV. It's the Sprecher 150. Uh, so, again, that's going to be a big event, too. Milwaukee Mile is a very popular track here in the Midwest, and uh, I expect that to be pretty well filled as well, Sal, for this uh, triple header. Uh, one race, three series between the Arkham and Art Series, the Arca East, and the Sioux Chief Showdown, uh, all points given in all three of those series. Yeah, then plus you got to remember too the the um, NASCAR um, Xfinity and the NASCAR uh, um, Cup Series will be there, so you'll probably see mm-hmm. a couple of Xfinity. I'm not sure if the trucks are racing that same weekend, but if they are, you'll you'll see a lot of the drivers come from the. Um, Come from the uh, from the Xfinity and the Truck Series you uh-huh. know, to race in this race. You'll you'll even see a few from the Cup Series, you know, just to get the, you know, especially like the rookie drivers, you know, they want to get the handle on the track, you know, and and I'll see what it's like out there. So um, it's it, it'll then like Absolutely. you said, you have you have the points from the Suzuki, Arkmanars, Arkies. So you know that that's going uh-huh. to make it you know even more more uh, you know put a big uh, you know, big field of cars out there exactly and and keep in mind milwaukee mile is actually added to the schedule this year and uh it was a very popular addition uh to the schedule for both the arkham and art series and the arca east so uh i think it's going to be pretty exciting there's a lot of a lot of uh midwest 
drivers, and, and racing is really big here in the Midwest. I know everybody thinks that racing is, is a southern sport, and you know this, Sal, because you know how big it is in in the West. Well, it's big here in the Midwest, too, uh, and uh, we've had uh, racing in, at some of these tracks for many, many years. So Milwaukee Mile is, uh, I think, going to be a, one of the favorites. Oh, yeah, it definitely will. And then, um, you know, I mean, like you said, you know, great racing out there in the Midwest, you know, it's always been, you know, it's always been big, you know. Um, of course, you know, before Milwaukee, I mean, well, no, I'm not, I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of Michigan. We're talking about Milwaukee. Yeah, that's that's going to be a, a huge, uh, that's going to be a huge, huge, huge event. Yes. Now, there was some news that came out today as well. Our Colombian driver, Sebastian Arias, is going to make his ARCA debut at Irwindale Speedway, Sal. Uh, I don't know if you were aware of that, uh, but the ARCA West is going to see a new driver on the track with Sebastian Arias making his debut with Bill McAnally Racing. He's a first-generation uh, race car driver from Bogota, Colombia, and at 21, he's the next Colombian driver hoping to rise through the ranks of NASCAR following in Juan Pablo Montoya's footsteps. So that's going to be kind of exciting. Oh, yeah, it is, it's going to be big. It's going to be really exciting, you know, and then, you know, and then, you know, of course, you know, he's coming underneath the Bill McAnally stable. So, um, you know, he's mm-hmm. going to have a good, a good, a good TV habit and got a good chance, you know, at, you know, at winning a, at winning a race out there. Absolutely. And uh, also Brad Perez, uh, racing dreams were realized at uh, Watkins Glen. Uh, another driver that uh, kind of uh, got his feet wet at uh, Watkins Glen and racing in the Arkham and Art Series. There's a story about him, uh, for those of you who might be interested in reading about it, Brad Perez's racing dreams realized at Watkins Glen. He says, I got to do the coolest thing in the world. So uh, you can read about that over at ARCARacing.com. They always have some great stories over there. And and along with that story is the the story about uh, Sebastian Arias, making his ARCA debut at Irwindale too. Yeah, that's going to, that's going to be really neat. You know, it's going to be special, you know, for the fans, you know, that are going to be, you know, that are coming out to see the race out there, you know, to see these two, you know, um, you know, to see these two young drivers, you know, getting, you know, their, their chance, you know, at, uh, you know, at the, you know, one of the lower levels of, you know, NASCAR racing. So, um, you know, uh, Arias, like you said, you know, I mean, he's, if you go back and read the story, he's got a really, really interesting story on how he, you know, on how he began his racing career and how he's able to get, you know, to where he is today. Okay. Uh, now there's a chance for fans. Uh, there's a lot of reasons for, I'm going to go back to the Milwaukee mile again here. Uh, race fans in and around southeastern Wisconsin and throughout the upper Midwest are getting really excited about the Sucker 150 that's scheduled on Sunday, August the 29th at the Milwaukee Mile, and for good reason. It marks the return of the Arkham Menard Series to the Milwaukee Mile for the first time since Frank Kimmel's victory there, uh, historic victory at, at the historic venue in 2007. 
So it's been a gap of more than 14 years since we last raced at that track. Uh, secondly, we mentioned it already, there's three series able to earn points uh, in this Becker 150 race, the Arkham Art Series, the East, and the Suit Chief Showdown. And last but not least, fans are going to have a chance to attend the race for free. With the purchase of specially marked cases of Sprecher Root Beer at Menards, fans can redeem the original cash register receipt from the purchase at the Wisconsin State Fairgrounds ticket office to receive a free general admission ticket to the race. Fans who redeem their cash register receipts early will have a chance to also receive a free pair of sunglasses courtesy of Sprecher and Menards while those supplies last. So say go go to the fair and get your receipt so you can get into the Specker 150 for free. Yeah, that's gonna be that's that's really that's really good uh, uh, opportunity you know for, you know especially you know for fans you know that can't you know that really can't afford to uh, you know to go to race you know at least you know you get the ticket to get in you know and uh, you know general admission you know I I'm not sure how their general admission over there would work. But, you know, at least you're in the track to see the race live. You know, you're not watching it on, at home on TV. And you also get to enjoy some Sprecher 150. You get to enjoy some Sprecher uh, Fire Brewed Craft Soda at the same time. Wow. I, you know, I, I, I've never even heard of that soda. We don't have it out here on the West Coast. Oh. Um, there's, a lot, there's a lot of stuff you guys have there we don't have out here. Yeah, you know, like like Menards, we don't have a Menards out here, you know, but yet, you know, they come out here, you know, and they, um, you know, they sponsor, you yes. know, the, the Arca series, you know, and, you know, we have a West series, but we don't have a Menards, so Ooh, I always, isn't that I, funny? I, had, I had to Google it to find out what it was, because I never knew what a Menards was. Ah, yeah, Menards is, uh, a very popular hardware store out here in the Midwest. And Paul Menard, actually, his family owns the Menard's uh, chain of uh, of uh, hardware stores and home improvement, really. Uh, my dad used to love going to Menard's and just walking throughout the store just to see what was out there. Uh, it, it's a great store here in the Midwest. Okay, let's go ahead and move on to the Camping World Truck Series, Sal, because uh, they are not racing this weekend, but next weekend, Friday, August the 20th, at the Worldwide Technology Raceway at Gateway, um, another Midwestern track, uh, the Toyota 200 presented by CK Power uh, will be started at 9 p.m. Eastern time, and that's going to be televised on Fox Sports 1 starting at 8 p.m. Eastern. So, again, we'll get into more details about the truck series when we do the preview show for that race. Uh, but we'll give you a few updates here tonight as well. <clears throat> so we do have a rundown here. Uh, let's do that, Sal, because that's going to be the very first race of the um, – that's going to be the very first race of the – uh, truck series playoff field. And so I want to make sure that uh, we give fans an idea of the drivers that are going to be in the field. Uh, and we'll start, uh, let's start from the bottom up. 
And if you want to take the first driver, Stuart Friesen, then I'll go ahead and do the next driver, and we'll go every other driver and give their stats. Okay. It says uh, entry list. Click to download the PDF. No, I'm talking huh. about the news and notes, Sal. Okay, I'll go ahead and start, but it's the news and notes of Jayskate, and I'm in the truck series yes. section. Yeah, that, yeah, that's where I'm at. Okay, and it starts with Stuart Friesen, Halmar Friesen Racings. I'll do okay, Stuart Friesen, series. and then you can, yeah, there you go. You truck can series do news. the next guy. Huh? Okay, I'm still looking for the... If you go all the way to the huh. bottom. Okay, all the way to the bottom. Okay, and then we're at. Here it says, Halmar Friesen Racing Friesen in the number 52 Toyota. He's entering the 2021 NASCAR Camping World Truck Series Playoffs as the number 10 seed with 2,001 points. He's just 48 points back from John Hunter Nemechek, who, of course, is in that number one seed. Now, the 2021 season marks the third time that Friesen has competed in the Camping World Truck Series playoffs. He finished a career-best fourth in the 2019 playoffs after posting a win in the penultimate race at Phoenix during a spot in the championship four-round. But he failed to make the postseason last year, ultimately finishing the season 15th in points. Uh, Now, his 2021 Camping World stats, uh, truck Series stats for this year and 15 starts. Uh, he doesn't have any wins or stage wins. He's got three top fives, four top tens, and three DNFs. His driver rating is at 85.2. His average running position is 12.791, and he's led a total of 13 laps. You can do Chandler Smith next, so... Okay, you know what, shirt? I can't find it. <clears throat> okay. Uh, okay, guide, what okay you... guide me to it, okay? Okay, I'm on the I'm on Jay Ski's to... homepage. Okay, let me go to Jay Ski's. Oops. And then, you, and then you go to trucks, right? No, no, you're going to go on the homepage, just scroll down, and where it says the latest cup news, it has the weekend preview, Chase Elliott, the special scheme for Josh Balicki, and then the NASCAR news and notes. Click on the National Series news and notes. You, you got it? Okay. Gosh. Okay, I'm on the home. Okay, I'm on the home page on the very first page, and then you said right. to then scroll all the way down, right? No, uh, then I said go down to where it says the latest cup news. Oh, okay, I see it right here. Yeah, see okay. the national series news and notes, and okay, then scroll then says, to the bottom um, of that. Okay, it says Goodyear tire notes Indianapolis road course. No, hold on. Do I have to go to truck? Go back to the home page. Go back to the home page. Okay. Okay, I'm on the home page. Okay, see where it says the latest cup news? 
Yes. It says weekend preview, Chase Elliott, the favorite to win at Indianapolis, the special scheme for yeah. Josh Balicki, and then it says NASCAR National Series News and Notes. Click on yeah. that and then scroll to the bottom. Oh, okay. I'll go ahead and do Chandler Smith, and then you can do the next one. Okay, Kyle Busch Motorsports Chandler Smith is in the number 18 Toyota, and he enters the Camping World Truck Series playoffs as the number nine seed with 2,001 points. He's 48 points behind the standings lead. Now, Smith and Carson Hosevar are the only two Sunoco Rookie of the Year candidates uh, from the 2021 class to make it into the postseason. Smith joins Hosefar this season as the ninth and tenth difference in Oprah Rookie of the Year candidates to make the Truck Series playoffs all time, joining Christopher Bell, who did it in 16, William Byron, also in 16, Austin Sindrick in 2017, along with Chase Briscoe and Kaz Grawa. Uh, Tyler Ankrum did it in 2019, Zane Smith in 2020, along with Christian Eckes, who also did it in that year. Now, Smith's uh, truck series statistics this year, he has 15 starts with zero race wins. He has one stage win, three top fives, and five top tens, along with two did-not-finishes, DNFs. He has a driver rating of 85.0, and his average running position is 14.608. He's led 94 laps. So Carson Hosevar okay, okay. is up next. Yeah, okay. So Nice Motorsports, Carson Hosevar, number 42 Chevrolet, enters the 2021 NASCAR Cathy World Truck Series playoffs as the number eight seed with 2,000, 2002 points, 47 points back from John, he- John Hunter Nemechek in the standing lead. Josevar and Chandler Smith are the only two Sunoco Rookie of the Year candidates from the 2021 class to make it to the postseason. Josevar joins Chandler Smith this season as the ninth and tenth different Sunoco Rookie of the Year candidates to make the NASCAR Cathy World Truck Series playoffs. All-time joining Christopher Bell, 2016, William Byron, 2016, Austin Cedric, 2017, Chase Briscoe, 2017, Cavs Grawla, 2017, Tyler Ankrum. 2019, Zane Smith, 2020, and Christian Ecke, 2020. Host of our uh, stats for 2021, 15 starts, zero race wins, zero stage wins, three top fives, five top tens, zero DNFs. He has a drive rating of 82.8, average running position of 15.263, and he's led a total of seven laps in 2021. Okay, next up we have Matt Crafton. He's a three-time series champion in 2013, 14, and 19 with Thor Sport Racing. He drives the number 88 Toyota and enters this year's playoffs as the number seven seed with 2,004 points. He's just 45 markers behind Nemechek in the standings. And uh, this year marks the sixth time that Crafton has competed in the Truck Series playoffs. Crafton is the only driver in the Truck Series history to compete in all six playoffs from 2016 through this year. He's a three-time NASCAR Camping World Truck Series champion. Again, he won in 2013, 14, and 19, and he's the only driver in Series history to win titles in both the playoff era 
2016 to the present, and the prior points format from 95 through 2015. Crafton has appeared in the Camping World Truck Series Championship round of four three times. Again, he did that in 16, 17, and 19. He's tied with Brett Moffat and Johnny Sauter for the series' most championship four-round appearances with three each. Now, Crafton finished fifth last year in the playoffs, and his stats for this year in 15 starts uh, he has no race wins, no stage wins, but he does have two top fives, seven top tens, one DNF, and a driver rating of 90.4. His average running position is 12.623, and he's led 14 laps. Okay, and then our next driver is um, GMS Racing St. Smith who drives the number 21 uh, Chevrolet. He enters the 2021 series playoffs as the number six seed with 2,009 points, 40 points down from the standings lead, but just two points back from his GMS racing teammate, Sheldon Creed in fifth. Smith is coming off an impressive rookie season 2020 that saw him make the playoffs in a spot in the championship four round, ultimately finishing the season runner-up in the championships and the Sunoco Rookie of the Year award winner. This season, Smith returns for a second career appearance in the postseason. Smith's 2021 Camping World Truck Series stats are 15 starts, zero wins, three stage wins, one top five, ten top tens, and he also had one DNF to go along with it. His drive rating is 96.3. Average running position is 10.111, and he's led a total of 47 laps. Okay, next up we do have... Sheldon Creed. Uh, he's the 2020 Series Champion with GMS Racing, driving the number two Chevrolet, and he enters this year, uh, this year's playoffs in the number five seed at 2,011 points. He's just 38 markers back from Nemechek, who's in the standings lead, and just four points behind Gilliland, who sits in fourth. Creed is in his first appearance for the playoffs uh, last season, and he rallied off two wins. He won at Texas and also at the season finale at Phoenix, making it into the championship for a round and winning the title. This year marks his second go-around at the postseason. His stats for this year are 15 starts, one race win. We finally have a race winner here. Uh, one stage win, six top fives, and seven top tens. That goes along with three DNFs. His driver rating is 98.4. His average running position is 11.936. And he's led 109 laps. And then we go to our number four seed, which is Front Row Motorsports, Todd Dillon, and number 38 Ford. He enters the 2021 Cafe World Truck Series playoffs as the number four seed with 2000. 15 points, 34 points behind Stang's leader, John Hunter Imachek, who just four points back from Rhodes in third. This is Gilliland's first appearance in the series playoffs. His previous best finish in the championship standings was 10th twice in 2018 and then again in 2020. His stats for this year are 15 starts. He finally got his race win this year. He's had three stage wins, seven top fives, 11 top tens and one DNF. His driver rating is a 102.3. Average running position is 9.988, and he's had a total of 
52 laps this year. Okay, next up we have Ben Rhodes from Thor Sport Racing driving the number 99 Toyota. He enters the playoffs this year as the number three seed, and he has 2019 points and 30 markers back from the points lead with John Hunter Nemechek, just two points behind Hill, who sits in second. Uh, this season marks the fourth time that he's competed in the Truck Series playoffs. His previous best finish was a fifth place in 2017. In 15 starts this year, he's had two race wins, one stage win, five top fives, 11 top tens, and zero DNFs. His driver rating is a 98.2. His average running position is 9.805, and he's led 68 laps this season. And then next is our number two seat of the plows is Hattori Racing Enterprises, Austin Hill, number 16, Toyota. Enters the 2021 Capital World Truck Series plows as a number two seed with 2,021 points, just 28 points back from some standings from the standings leader, John Hunter Nemechek with 2,049. This season marks Hill's third consecutive appearance in the NASCAR Capital World Truck Series playoffs. Uh, his previous ones were 2019 uh, and 2021. Um, Hill's previous best finish in the NASCAR Cappy World Truck Series playoffs is fifth in 2019. Um, this year, his stats were uh, 15 starts, uh, two race wins, one stage win, uh, seven top fives, 12 top tens, and, and zero DNFs. He has a driver rating of 103.5, and his average rating position was 8.7. He had a total of 48 laps that were led. Okay. Next up is the uh, regular season champion from Kyle Busch Motorsports, John Hunter Nemechek, in the number four Toyota. Uh, He enters the year's playoffs in the number one seed with 2,049 points and 28 points uh, from his nearest competitor. Uh, He enters... uh, as the champion for the first time in his career, he has won the title. Now, this season is his third Truck Series playoff appearance. He also was in 2016, 17, as well as this year. Now, Nemechek's previous best finish in the series playoff was eighth, and he did that twice, both in 2016 and 17. In 15 starts this year, he has five wins. Five wins, that's amazing. Nine stage wins, nine top fives, and 12 top tens. Only one DNF. His driver rating is an amazing 117.0. His average running position, another amazing stat here, 5.886. And he's led 487 laps this year. So that pretty much covers uh, the drivers that are going to be in the playoffs for the Camping World Truck Series. Next, we're going to move on to the Xfinity Series, and we'll grab some information there for you to preview that race. They're going to be racing the Pennzoil 150 at the Brickyard uh, on Indianapolis Motor Speedway's road course. 
that's this Saturday, August the 4th at 4 p.m. Eastern, that will be televised on NBC Sports Network starting at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time. Now, the radio coverage is going to be on IMS as well as Sirius XM NASCAR Radio Channel 90. They'll be racing a distance of 151.22 miles over 62 laps. The first stage ends on lap 20. Stage 2 is also 20 laps, ending on lap 40. And the final stage ends on the last lap, lap 62. Now, for the Xfinity Series, uh, there is some uh, notes here that we want to make sure everybody's aware of. Let's uh, get into that. Let's start uh, with Sage Karam uh, and what he's doing this weekend. Yeah, actually, Sage is making his um, is a um, his start. He Sage was a uh, was any card any card. He's coming from the any card series. Actually, he had a really good um any card lights um campaign when he was back when he was running any card lights some years ago, and um so this year he's running the Indianapolis Rose Course for Jordan Anderson Racing. Uh, and, he's um, also an IMSA driver. Yeah, actually, he's running, he read, he's running the full Wimps series this year, too. Um, he's, a, he's a championship, IMSA sports car championship driver, Sage Terrell, will compete at, at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course in the number 31 Chevrolet. The race will be Caram's Xfinity Series debut. He has two top tens and eight starts in the prestigious Indianapolis 500. Caram joins a growing list of drivers that have competed for Jordan Anderson Racing this season. Yeah. You know, Sam Hunt Racing is going to field two entries at Indy this time as well. It's the first time since its inception that Sam Hunt Racing will field two entries in the Xfinity Series race. Now, during the race weekend at Indianapolis Motor Speedway's road course, SHR, uh, Sam Hunt Racing in this case, will field the number 26 and 24 Toyotas with drivers Chris Wright and Will Rogers. You remember Will Rogers, Val, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's from. Out, talked, he's from out here. He's from. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, Wright's going to pilot the number twenty-six, and Rogers is going to pilot the number twenty-four. Sam Hunt Racing has multiple drivers. Has had multiple drivers behind the wheel for the team uh, throughout this season, including Rogers and Wright, and others like Jenna Hunter Nemechek, Santino Ferrucci. And uh, Rogers will have sponsorship from Good RX and Race to End Help to help. I'm sorry, I keep saying it backwards. Race to End Help com. So that's pretty exciting that those guys are going to be in the race this weekend. Yeah, I think it was 2018 or 2019. I think it was 2018 when when Will Rogers and Kevin Harvick were racing that. Um, Sonoma yes, for the win, and and Will Rogers didn't. Beat him. He raced. He actually the first time he lost, he lost oh, to Harvick. Okay. And Harvick went in. Yeah, Harvick went in. And Victory Lane mentioned, you know, on how good he raced him, you know, and and then for the next for Sunday's race, Harvick invited um, Will Rogers to come and sit on the pit box, you know, and, and watch yes. his, you know, his his cup race. And um, he he really had high you know high high hopes and everything. Anyways, Will Rogers comes back the following year and he ended up winning at Sonoma, but um, yep. he he gained he gained a lot of attention with that 
with the way he raced Harvick that he didn't, he had a chance to, you know, to, on the last turn to, you know, he could have got underneath him and moved him and he didn't. He raced him clean at Harvick. He made him, you know, he didn't. And, and a victory lane, Harvick made, Harvick made a big thing about it. And then plus he had a, yep. had a good box for the uh, falling race. Yeah. Rob, That's Rogers right. Speaking Rogers. of Harvick. <laughs> Speaking of Harvick, Lally and Harvick are running for BJ McLeod Motorsports in Indianapolis. Veteran road course racer Andy Lally will compete in Saturday's race at the Indianapolis Speedway road course for BJ McLeod Motorsports. He will drive the number 78 car this weekend. He has competed in four Xfinity Series road course events, three of them with BJ McLeod Motorsports this season. He has a best finish at fifth at Mid-Ohio and most recently finished 13th in Road America. NASCAR Cup Series champion Kevin Harvick will be back with BJ, uh, BJ McLeod Motorsports this weekend in Indy. He will pot the number 99 in his third Xfinity Series start this season. He finished fourth at Coda for BJ McLeod and finished sixth at Road America. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Also, uh, there, we're going to be making some history this weekend. NASCAR Whalen Euro Series drivers are going to be competing at Indianapolis. On Saturday, history will be in the making in the NASCAR Xfinity Series for two NASCAR Whalen Euro Series up-and-coming drivers. Euro NASCAR Series pro driver Giorgio Maggi will pilot the number 42 BMBM Motorsports Toyota in his Xfinity Series debut on the road course event. He will join Loris Hesemans, uh, the 2019 NASCAR Whalen Euro Series champion, who will be making his third Xfinity Series start this season. The two will make history as the first NASCAR Whalen Euro Series drivers to ever compete in the same NASCAR National Series race in the United States. They are also teammates for Hendricks Motorsports in Europe. <laughs> Not the same Hendricks Motorsports that we're used to. Uh, now, Maggie is 23. He's currently eighth in points in the Euro NASCAR Pro Series, and he's a native of uh, Hergeswil and will become the first Swiss driver to join a NASCAR National a national NASCAR series in the United States. He joined the NASCAR Whalen Euro Series in 2019 after taking part in the recruitment day. He finished second in the point standings in his Euro NASCAR 2 rookie season with three victories. He moved up to the NAS Euro NASCAR Pro Series in 2020 and got his first ever post and podium finish at the Automoto Drome, <laughs> Robnik, uh, and so far in 2021, he already has one top five and three top ten finishes. Hesemans is going to make his fourth Xfinity Series start on Saturday with his teammate. Hesemans will be piloting the Rayom Brothers uh, Racing number 33 Toyota. His first ever Xfinity Series start was in 2019 at Road America for BJ McLeod Motorsports, and he started 24th in that race and finished in 22nd place. Next, we have the rookie update. And our and our rookie update is. Uh... Okay, he just did hesitant, so where's the rookie update at? We got to keep going up? Yeah, just keep going up. It's the next section. 
Okay, okay, here, here we go. Okay, Sunoco rookie class update. Barry, Barry's still holding on. Everybody knows Josh Barry and Ty Gibbs have put on quite a show in the Xfinity Series during their rookie season. The two drivers who are both running partial schedules have consistently run up front, grabbing wins and making themselves a part of the mix. Last weekend at Watkins Glen was no different as Gibbs grabbed his third win at 10 starts. Barry didn't compete at Watkins Glen, but Barry has been able to hold off Gibbs in the Sunoco Rookie of the Year standings for several weeks. Barry has 397 points and six awards, while Gibbs has seven awards, but only 397 points. Ryan Vargas is in third, with Jay Buford in fourth, and Sam Mayer in fifth. Barry has run in 60 of 20 Xfinity Series races won, most recently covered for Michael Annette in the number one GR Motorsports Chevrolet at New Hampshire Motor Speedway and finished eighth. In total, Barry has one win, four top fives, and nine top tens. Gibbs has only competed in 10 of the 20 races. He now has three wins, eight top fives, eight top tens to his name. Gibbs will be back behind the wheel of the number 54 total this weekend at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Uh, the Sonoma yep. Rookie of the Year standing is, like we mentioned, Josh Berry's leading uh, Ty Gibbs, 397 and 379. And then you go down to Ryan Vargas, which is has 193, Jay Buford 145, and Sam Mayer 82. So uh, unless Josh Berry gets back behind the wheel, actually, it doesn't even look like even if Josh Berry d- didn't get back behind the wheel, it looks like he might, depending on how Ty Gibbs finishes this week, he just might be the the rookie of the year. Yeah, I think we're gonna we're gonna see how that plays out uh, after this weekend. I think. Next up, we're going to talk about the playoff bubble and some of the clinch scenarios for the uh, Xfinity Series drivers heading into this weekend at the road course at Indianapolis. Um, now, there are some drivers that have already clinched. The following four drivers have clinched the spot in the 12th driver postseason field. Those, that, those drivers are Austin Sendrick, A.J. Allmendinger, Justin Algauer, and Jeb Burton. Uh, Jeb Burton actually clinched his spot at the Watkins Glen International. Now, the next set of drivers can clinch on points at Indianapolis. Myatt Snyder can do it with three points because of his previous win at Homestead Miami Speedway. So he he just has to make three points this weekend, and he's clinched his spot. The following drivers can clinch with a win, uh, alone, and that includes Daniel Hemrick, Harrison Burton, Justin Haley, Noah Gregson, Brandon Jones, Jeremy Clements, Riley Earps, Myatt Snyder, and Brandon Brown. Uh, so those drivers all need a win in order to clinch a spot this weekend. Uh, Ryan C. can clinch with a win, but he's also going to need 45 points. So Austin Sendrick cannot clinch the regular season championship this weekend, though, uh, second place has 769 points. And so they can still reach that 1129 points. Sindrick is currently 80 points up on second place, A.J. Allmendinger. So uh, that's kind of the clinch scenarios. I'm not going to go through the point standings because uh, we kind of covered it by going through these clinch scenarios. I'm going to leave it so that Sal can talk about Ty Gibbs having a chance to make history at the Indy Road Course. You know, Sharon, there was a mistake made because it said the yeah. following four drivers have already clinched a spot. 
Austin Cedric, AJ Allmendinger, Justin Algar, and Jay Jebert. They've got about Maya Snyder. Maya Snyder does have a, a race win, and they have him down so as having a clinching. They're saying clinching a spot. So, so he even though he has a race win, he still needs three points to actually clinch. So that is correct. He, he yeah, I, I know what you're saying. But he still it needs make those sense. three points. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Let's. We're running out of time, though. We got to get okay. this Ty Gibbs okay. thing in. <laughs> okay. So then Ty Gibbs looks to make history in the road course. Grandson of NASCAR Hall of Famer Joe Gibbs, Ty Gibbs can become just a second driver in NASCAR Xfinity Series history to win four races in his first eleven Xfinity career starts joining NASCAR Hall of Famer Dell Waltrip. Um, 1982 Charlotte 2, 1983 Daytona 1, 1984 Daytona, Charlotte, and Charlotte 2. If Gibbs, Daytona Road Course, Charlotte, and Watkins Glen accomplishes the feat and wins this weekend at Indianapolis, both drivers will have won four races in their first 11 starts, but Gibbs will be the only driver to have earned it all in a single season. Wow. Wow, that's and amazing, only, isn't it? It is because when you look when you look back at, at the other ones that have done it, it was of course Daryl Waltrip did it eleven starts, he had four wins. Butch Lindley had three wins in eleven starts. Dale Earnhardt Senior had three wins in eleven starts. Ron Fellows, wow, had three wins in eleven starts. And now Ty gives it there. Ron Fellows, you gotta remember most of his I think his three wins came on, on the road courses as well, because I know Ron Fellows was a uh, was a was a road was one of the road course ringers used to come in, and uh, they they bring him in to race on the road courses. Well, Ty Gibbs has three wins in just ten starts too, which is pretty amazing. Oh yeah. Okay, we've got to we've got to move on now to the uh, Cup Series. Uh, they're racing also on the road course at Indianapolis this weekend in the Verizon 200 at the Brickyard. And that race will take place this Sunday, August the 15th at 1 p.m. Eastern. Now, NBC will carry the pre-race coverage starting at 12.30 p.m. Eastern time. And, again, radio coverage is on IMS, that's Indianapolis Motor Speedway's own radio network, and Sirius XM NASCAR radio Channel 90. They'll be racing a distance of 200 miles over 82 laps. Stage 1 ends on lap 15, stage 2 on lap 35, and of course the last stage ends on the last lap, lap 82. And uh, going into the Cup Series, uh, let's start with uh, the uh, Richmond Raceway to host uh, some track laps for charity. Uh, it's the NASCAR Cup Series. Is it the for the? Is it the? Where's the charity at? Go ahead, Sharon. Okay, I'll, I'll go I'll ahead. Follow behind you. Yeah. yeah okay. Richmond Raceway around. will host the track laps for charity, uh, presented by Toyota. Richmond Auto Dealers this Saturday from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. Track Laps for Charity actually offers fans the opportunity to drive their own personal vehicles around Richmond Raceway for a donation of just $20. All the proceeds are going to benefit the USO Hampton Roads 
and Central Virginia, along with Richmond Raceway Cares. So that's pretty cool that fans will be able to take their own vehicles out there on the track for just $20 and uh, support a very worthwhile cause. It's a fun thing to do and uh, supports a very uh, important uh, charity. But NASCAR okay, is also going to Yes. Okay. And then NASCAR is also going to team up with, with the NSTA, with the National Science Teaching Association, announced this week the launch of a new science and STEM learning curriculum for K-8 science teachers across the United States. The racing-themed science lessons will be available free of charge to educators nationwide on NSTA.org. The, the collaboration between NASCAR and NSTA, the global leader in promoting excellence and innovation in science, teaching, and learning, is designed to arm educators with fun and engaging content and activities for teaching science and STEM. NASCAR and NSTA have worked together, worked together to create a series of unique science lesson plans, including lessons of aerodynamics, friction and motion, light, sound, and more. We are thrilled to partner with NSTA, a passionate community of science educators and professionals devoted to teaching and offering science resources to kids across the country, said Pete Jung, Chief Marketing Officer of NASCAR. This collaboration provides NASCAR an incredible opportunity to make an impact in science education while introducing new generations to the sport. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. Uh, what a great way to learn science uh, by relating it to NASCAR. Okay, and the rookie spotlight this weekend is Chase Briscoe. He might have an edge this weekend at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Uh, the Stuart House Racing driver is the only driver in the NASCAR Cup Series field attempting to qualify this Sunday's in this Sunday's race that has won a NASCAR National Series race at the 2.439-mile Indianapolis Motor Speedway road course. The rising star from Mitchell, Indiana, took the checkered flag uh, in the Xfinity Series race there just last year with a daring late-race pass with just two laps to go. Now, Briscoe is just one of seven drivers entered this weekend in the Cup Series race that competed in the Xfinity Series race at Indianapolis' road course last year. The other six drivers are Justin Haley, who finished second, A.J. Allmendinger finished fourth, Austin Sendrick fifth, Ross Chastain sixth, Anthony Alfredo came home with a 20th place finish, and Josh Balicki finished 23rd. Now, Briscoe turned up his third top 10 finish of the season last weekend at Watkins Glen International. So interestingly, all three of his top 10s have come on road courses. He was the sixth at Coda. He was sixth at Road America. And at Watkins Glen, he finished in ninth place. The road course king is uh, still still Jeff Gordon is a road course king. But I know somebody who's going to try to beat him this yeah, weekend. Yeah, it's going to be uh, yes. Uh, let me see. All time, all time top road course winners in the NASCAR Cup Series of the tracks, and they won at. You look at Jeff Gordon, who has nine wins, Tony Stewart eight, and right clicking on the heels of both Tony Stewart and and um, 
and uh, Jeff Gordon is Chase Elliott. Seven of the 2020 Series Championship 13 Cup wins have come on road courses. Watkins Glen 2018-2019, Charlotte Roval 2019-2020, Daytona Course 2020, Circle of Americas 2021, Road America 2021. Now Elliott looks to get his seventh road course win in the series track debut at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course this weekend. A feat the 25-year-old from Dawsonville, Georgia, has already has already championed winning at Kona in his first appearance earlier this season. Elliott finished runner-up in last weekend's race at Watkins Glen International behind his teammate, Kyle Larson. Okay. Uh, real quick, I do want to go through the clinch scenarios here for the Cup Series as well. There's only three races left in the regular season for drivers to clinch. And uh, so following Watkins Glen, there's been 11 different drivers that have clinched their spot in the postseason, leaving five spots still mathematically eligible. The following 11 drivers who have clinched are William Byron, Kyle Busch, Joey Logano, Chase Elliott, Martin Truex, Ryan Blaney, Brad Keselowski, Alex Bowman, Kurt Busch, and Christopher Bell. Now, if there's a repeat winner or a win by a driver who cannot advance to the playoffs, the following drivers could clinch by being 111 points above the second winless driver in the standings. So Danny Hamlin uh, is going to be able to clinch regardless of his finish. The other drivers here uh, could clinch on a previous wins with a win by a previous winner or a win by Denny Hamlin. Michael McDowell and Eric Almarola are going to clinch regardless of their finish. The following drivers can clinch on a previous wins with the win by a new winner. Michael McDowell can only clinch with help. Eric Almarola can clinch if the new winner is Corey LaJoy or another driver even lower in the standings. Okay, the following drivers can clinch on a win alone this weekend. Those drivers are Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, Tyler Reddick, Austin Dillon, Michael McDowell, and Eric Almarola. Now, the first four drivers there don't have wins yet. Michael McDowell and Eric Almarola already have a win. The following drivers could clinch with a win. These drivers do not have a win yet. That's Chris Buescher, uh can clinch with a with some help in the win, Matt DiMenedetto and Ross Chastain. So those are your clinch scenarios heading into uh, the race this weekend at at uh, Indianapolis. Let's go to the next thing. Uh, let's talk about the Cup Series debut at Indianapolis Motor Speedway's road course cell. We're skipping a couple spots here. Okay. So you're going to Daytona International Speedway? No, NASCAR or, Cup um, Series to debut at Indianapolis Motor Speedway's road course. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> For the first time in the NASCAR Cup Series 72-year history, wow, the series will compete at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway road course in the inaugural Bryson 200 at the Brickyard on August 15th at 1 p.m., Eastern Time on NBC, IMS and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. 
the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course joins the Bristol Motor Speedway Dirt Track and the Circuit of the Americas as the third different track the series has debuted at this season. The, it, the IMS Road Course is a 14-turn asphalt paved road course that spans 2.439 miles and is located inside and part of the, the IMS Oval in Indianapolis, Indiana. The Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course is the sixth of seven road course tracks on the Cup Series schedule this season. Daytona Road Course, which was won by Christopher Bell, Coda, which was won by Chase Elliott, Sonoma, which was won by Kyle Larson, Road America, that was won again by Chase Elliott, Watkins Glen, that was won by Carl Larson, Indianapolis Road Course, and Charlotte Roval, the the most road courses ever in a single cup season will be our our run this this season. This weekend's procedures in Indianapolis will be action-packed with practice and qualifying taking place over the weekend. This will be the seventh of eight race weekends this season with designated practice and qualifying. So it's going to be good to see the practice and qualifying coming back yeah. and hopefully give some of the drivers, you know, a chance, you know, to get a little bit more accustomed to the track than, than, than what we had when, when uh, uh, the role first came out. The yeah. Moan NASCAR Cup Series practice will take place at 11.05 Eastern to 11.55 a.m. Eastern on Saturday, August 14th. It can be viewed on the NBC Sports app and track pass from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern time. The Bush Pole qualifying will be held on the same day as the race at 9.05 a.m. Eastern time, Sunday, August 15th, and can be viewed on CNBC from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern time, followed by the race on NBC at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Yeah, I think that's pretty cool uh, that fans will be able to, to kind of engage in that as well, the practice and the qualifying events. I know we've missed that, and it's kind of cool that it's going to be here. Sal, I wanted to say a great big thank you to you for stepping up and uh, being co-host for tonight. I know it's a little bit out of our normal routine uh, but I hope you enjoyed it. Oh yeah, I did. It was it was different. I just, you know, because I don't know your guys' format and stuff like that, so it was like trying to just kind of pick up on the way. But um, yeah, it was yeah. fun. I'm, I'm glad I was able. I'm glad I was able to, you know, to step in, you know, and you know, help out. You know, it was a really neat experience for me. Well, thank you. We Again, I do appreciate it. I was getting worried that we might uh, not be able to do the show tonight. Uh, or that I might have to do it by myself. But uh, I'm really glad that you were available. And, and I just wanted you to know how much we appreciated uh, the fact that you took the time to be here tonight. Oh, thanks. Thanks for the um, thanks for the invitation. I'm glad I was able to, you know, like I said, you know, to fill in and, you know, and help out the team. Well, I do appreciate it. And I know you're, you're – uh, uh, not going to be able to do the show Monday night. So Jay, who normally does the Thursday night show, is actually going to be helping out on Monday night. <laughs> so uh, that's what I meant when we first started the show. I talked about the switch-up. Uh, Jay, who is normally on Thursdays, will be doing Monday. And you, who is normally on the Monday night show, is doing the Thursday night show this week. So uh, the switch-up made it kind of fun here. Yeah, it did. So, um, and like I said, you know, thanks again. And, um, you know, just want to uh, tell everybody, you know, have a, have a nice weekend and uh, stay safe out there. And, um, 
you know, continue to wear your mask because COVID numbers are going up again. Yeah, yeah, definitely so. So say you be safe too, Sal, and we'll look forward to talking to you in a couple of weeks. Okay. Thanks again. Okay. Say good night, everybody. Uh-huh. All right. Good night. Okay. Bye. Okay, it is now 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, and that means it's time for an Ask Our Hot Topic sound off, and we have a couple of our Tampa Racing crew members here tonight to help us get going with that. Let's start with, uh, uh, we've got Michael Orzel here, I know. Mike? Well, yes, yes, you do have me. Big hello to everybody. <laughs> uh, welcome to the show. And we also have Tommy Kraft here tonight. So welcome to the show, Tommy. Hey, thanks for having me back. How are y'all? Well, definitely looking forward to talking NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off here. Uh, and uh, we're going to go ahead and get started with that. Mike, I'm going to let you bring up the first topic. So let's sure. go and get I'm, started with that. I'm going to lead off with this one because I know Tommy is going to be really excited about it. A couple of months ago, we talked about there was a budget allocation in North Carolina to allocate $10 million each to Charlotte Motor Speedway, Rockingham Speedway, and North Wilkesboro Speedway. Well, there's been a little bit of motion on that this month, uh, really within the past week or so. That's now been changed to it's still a $10 million allocation to Rockingham for their speedway, $15 million now to the city of Concord, and that's specifically marked for water and sewer projects related to the infrastructure at Charlotte Motor Speedway. That makes sense. They're, they're upgrading the facilities at the, uh, the uh, speedway. The big news on this change, though, is instead of $10 million, North Wilkesboro Speedway has now been up to a $20 million allocation. This still hasn't been passed by the legislature. It's still being debated right now. But Dale Earnhardt Jr. was in Charlotte this week uh, lobbying in order to try and get this, uh, this bill passed in order to get the speedways the funding that's currently allocated to them. Yeah, and that uh, it, that twenty million is going for water and sewer related infrastructure projects for service to North Wilkesboro Speedway, Tommy. So, what are your thoughts there? Uh, I, I'm so excited. I mean, it looks like they're really trying hard to bring that track back. Um, I hope they don't turn it into dirt because I was seeing that somewhere on Twitter. Um, over the past couple months, but uh, I want them to just either repave it or you know try fixing it up the way it is. Just don't don't uh, turn it into dirt. Um, but yeah, I mean they're really trying to make it happen, so I'm sure it will in like two or three years. At least get an Xfinity truck or SRX or something in there. It's not NASCAR, but really looking forward to it. And it really looks like they're trying hard to get it done. It really does, and, I, and I'm so glad to see somebody like Dale Earnhardt Jr. Uh, putting his money where his mouth is, if you will, uh, and, and I say that loosely, uh, but just the fact that he is able to go and visit these lawmakers and lobby uh, for these budget allocations. Um, it, it's this whole thing altogether is about $50 million to support the motorsports industry in in that state. So this is really, really huge, 
and to have Dale Jr. kind of get behind it, I think makes it brings a lot of eyes to it and makes it even more uh, uh, noteworthy, if you will, uh, anytime you put Dale Earnhardt's name uh, behind something like this. And, and he, he's, he's out there lobbying for this, and I, I give him a lot of kudos for doing that. Um, because a lot of people, just like yourself, uh, Tommy, have been advocating for this for a very, very long time. And, Mike, I know you have been advocating uh, for North Wilkesboro to come back as well. So I think this is a great thing. Uh, I think having Dale Earnhardt Jr. there and and speaking on behalf of NASCAR and speaking in support of this is, is going to be huge. And I hope that they do uh, make this happen. So, Mike, I'm curious to know your thoughts. Like you said, this is huge. Um, I, I want to caution everyone, don't go buying your tickets to middle of nowhere, Wilkes County, North Carolina yet. There's still a lot that needs to be done. Like you said, Sharon, the allocation is largely for water and sewer improvements, which based on that kind of money and how long that track has been abandoned, that's probably going to eat up a lot of that money because, North Wilkesboro has been more or less abandoned for, since the mid-90s, save for a couple little events here and there, but nothing on the scale that a potential national touring series race would bring there. So it's going to be a lot of work to bring back North Wilkesboro if they're going to bring it back. So don't expect to see it on the schedule anytime soon. And we'll probably talk about it here in another hot topic, but there's a lot of competition for NASCAR races right now. There's a lot of tracks on the outside looking in who would love to host, if not a NASCAR Cup Series race, at least a Camping World Truck Series race or Xfinity Series race at their facilities. Some tracks that used to be on the schedule, some tracks that have never been on the schedule but would like to work their way in. And that's a lot of competition for time, resources, and all the other things that go into making a NASCAR race happen at a facility. So really encouraging to see the potential investment into North Wilkesboro, as well as Rockingham, don't forget. See that come to fruition, but let's not get too excited yet until we start seeing cars on track. When we start seeing maybe some testing going on at the facility, or at least some clear pictures of it looking like more than just a derelict abandoned speedway, then we can start getting excited. Right now, Pennsylvania is cautiously optimistic. Like you said, Sharon, having Dale Earnhardt Jr. there is huge. Even if you're not a NASCAR fan, the vast majority of people know the Dale Earnhardt name, and they usually know the Dale Earnhardt Jr. name as well. He's fairly common, common knowledge. So having a name like that behind it is not just a celebrity endorsement, but also as someone with intimate knowledge in the industry, well-respected within the industry, and, and different levels between on track in the booth, you know, the media booth, as well as in the ownership and business end of it, Dale Earnhardt's got his finger in a lot of pies, and that gives him a lot of credibility to speak on this subject. So to have him actively involved in this really gives a good boost to this, and I hope it gives it the push necessary in order to get this project rolling. Okay. Uh, Tommy, what's your follow-up here? Uh, just excited to see that they're uh, really pushing to get it done. Junior's involved. Um, you are right. I mean, he he really is stepping up, and um, it's really good for him to be doing it because a lot of people do know him, and uh, I think they'll get it done. I think Marcus um, – uh, what's his last name? Lewis. 
from the the truck series. That guy, I think he's promoting Camping World. I think he's promoting it pretty heavily as well. You're thinking of Marcus and, um, Marcus Lamonis is who you're thinking of. Yes, yes, that's it. Sorry, I butchered his last name. I, I couldn't remember what it was, but yeah, he's he's involved in it as well, I think. But uh, yeah, they're really pushing hard for it. I think it will happen. I know it will take some time because that track has been abandoned. I rode by it last year in November, and it was. <laughs> I mean, you can see the grandstands from the literally from the road, but um, from the highway. But it's it's. I think it's savable. I mean, they did race there in like 2010, 2012, I think. So, I mean, it's been, I guess you could say, brought back or revived before. But it is it is pretty far gone. It does need some TLC, but I'm sure they'll get it done. Yeah, I think from a couple of perspectives here, your word of caution, I think, is well well put, Mike. I think that there, it's not something that's going to happen overnight. This is for the 2021 22 fiscal year so uh, this this is just the beginning of kind of getting this to the point that that racing can happen there but and, and we're talking Rockingham as well as North Wilkesboro to your point as well as the city of Concord um, now the couple of things I wanted to point out here is one Dale Earnhardt has such a reputation as a successful businessman within that state so he brings that knowledge with him as a lobbyist for these funds as well and and i think that brings a lot of credibility to his presence in doing what he's doing uh by talking to these state uh, legislature uh representatives so uh i i i'm so proud of him and what he's been able to accomplish and and the success that he has uh, has found for himself, not just within the NASCAR circle, but as a business person within that state. So uh, that that just it gives him a lot of credibility and a lot of uh, positive reputation that he brings with him to that that position. Also, um, you're right that there's a lot of tracks that are lobbying. For NASCAR, and that's for good reason because if they're able to get these tracks up and running, the revenue that NASCAR is going to bring to those locations is going to be huge for those communities. And we've talked about this as it relates to Nashville. It's the same thing in Nashville. And what I feel like Nashville is missing is the revenue potential that NASCAR can bring. Uh, to that community, but with its presence. And that's what I think these communities are recognizing and why they're looking at this so strongly and willing to invest the amount of money that they are investing. And I hope that Nashville is paying close attention to what these guys are doing because uh, that's what it's going to take in some of these cases. And if all of these other tracks that are thinking about uh, or wanting NASCAR to be involved, there are upgrades that have to happen in order for, for NASCAR to, to be able to do uh, what everybody wants. So I think it's a good thing, and uh, I, I hope it all works out in the long run. So, Mike, we'll let you have the final word on this. Sure. Like you said, 
optimism, cautious optimism, I think is is the way to go here. Mm-hmm. If I had to guess which which track of the, of those three we're going to, or I guess two, we're already seeing Charlotte. But out of those two, I would almost guarantee if one of those were to come back, it'd probably be Rockingham first. If for no other reason, Rockingham is much better conditioned than North Wilkesboro is. Rockingham can be renovated, and it's. I wouldn't say it's race ready, but it's at least it's renovation ready versus North Wilkesboro is more or less a reconstruction project. So if we're going to see a, a return of one of those two racetracks, look for Rockingham first. Everyone talks and wants North Wilkesboro, but you know, the rock was pretty decent too. And I wouldn't be too upset to see them. So I'm going to keep following this story. I'm sure the rest of us will as well. And it's probably not the last we've talked about it. Hopefully the next time we're mentioning it, it's going to be because the legislation got passed, and now they got they do have their budget allocation to begin work. Mhm. I, I hope you're right, Mike. Okay, Tommy, you get to bring up the next uh, hot topic here. All right, let's go with um, Christopher Bell and Kyle Larson, and um, how they're not talking. Okay, uh, Mike, what do you have to say about that? Well, first and foremost, if you if you missed the race this past weekend, there was an incident on the track. Uh, Christopher Bell, I believe, was running second or third. Larson was working his way back up through the field after cycling through pit stops. Um, they were going into turn one at Watkins Glen. Larson made a move to the inside. Christopher Bell cut down to the inside of the turn of him. They made contact, and Bell spun around. He ended up finishing the race in eighth or so, and we all know Kyle Larson went on to win the race. Now, Kyle Larson immediately got out of the car after doing his burnout, and one of the first things he said in his post-race interview was an apology to Christopher Bell. From what I saw on TV, it looked like a racing incident anyway. Larson made an aggressive move to the inside, but it's not like he tried to use all eight wheels to make the turn. He was making the turn with the move that he made, and Bell is the one who tried to cut the corner to the inside, and as a result, the two made contact. It was a racing deal even though Larson still apologized for it. And to go beyond that, it sounds like Larson continued to reach out. According to an interview he did on SiriusXM, Larson continued to reach out. And as of, I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday when that story broke, Christopher Bell still hadn't returned his calls. Now, I don't know what more you could want from a guy. Larson wasn't at fault. He still apologized. He's continuing to try and reach out. I I would say Kyle Larson's on the high road on this one. I'm not sure what else he could do to try and reach out and make things right with Christopher Bell, and these things weren't that wrong to begin with. Okay. Uh, I'm I'm, uh, in pretty much agreement with you. Uh, We don't really know why Bell hasn't returned the calls yet, unless he's kind of come out and said that, but I haven't seen uh, the exact reason why. Uh, there might be a reasonable explanation for it. Uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens this weekend. Um, but, yeah, it sounds to me like Larson is taking the high road on this, uh, trying to reach out to Christopher Bell. Christopher Bell, out of respect, owes him uh, a phone call back. Uh, and if not a phone call back, then a face-to-face with him this weekend at uh, Indianapolis's uh, road course. Uh, but, yeah, I think that uh, the things like this are going to happen, and you can carry a grudge, uh, but usually those grudges uh, don't always pay off in the long run. Uh, you're better off to kind of air it out, uh, talk about it, get over it, and move on. 
And I hope that they're able to do that this weekend before the race at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. They do have a practice session this week as well as a qualifying session. So uh, hopefully these guys have a chance to kind of touch base and kind of put this behind them because the more it goes without some kind of a resolution between them, uh, the more it's going to simmer and fester and and become more than it needs to be. It's taken a... uh, anthill and making a mountain out of it so it doesn't have to be that way uh and it's the ball's in bell's court as far as i'm concerned uh so we'll have to wait and see what happens so i'm curious to hear what you have to say tommy well when i was watching it on uh sunday uh junior when we were watching their the replay was showing when i was watching the replay uh, it's, he said that Kyle Larson did a wheel hop, and it did, I did see that in the replay. But there was plenty of room, like Christopher Bell could have gotten over or something like that. Like, he didn't really give Kyle Larson much room. So, it was I, – I don't really – I'm like you guys. I don't really know why he's not returning those calls because it really was just kind of a racing incident type thing. Um, I understand why Christopher Bell would be mad. I mean, he went from contending for, uh, or oh, he was about to pass Truex. He was getting there, uh, but I mean, Kyle Larson was right there too. Calls Christopher Bell was trying to catch him the whole time, so the three of them were all there. I mean, it, it was just it was just a racing incident. So I don't really know why he's not returned his calls. Um, he should at least. I mean, there's no no really need to to have another incident on the track, but I mean, I guess maybe payback later on down the road would be interesting. It would probably be when he's contending for a win or something. Might be a Matt Kenseth and Joey situation or something, and in the end, who knows? Okay, Mike, any follow up there? Well, if that is the case and, and Bell decides to retaliate on the racetrack after just completely ignoring Larson all week, that's going to be pretty low. It'd be one thing if yeah. Larson got out of the car and gloated and, and kind of rubbed it in his face and all that. But Larson was nothing but apologetic for an incident that, at least in my opinion, didn't really need, deserve to be apologized for in the first place. So if Christopher Bell refuses to, to even acknowledge Kyle's attempts to reach out and smooth things over and then takes him out on the racetrack, that's uh, that's really uncalled for. And I, I, I'm not a huge fan of getting NASCAR involved in stuff like that, but that might, it might end up being a situation where it goes beyond the boys have at it kind of thing. It's one thing if, if there's a beef and it's simmering between the two of them, but when one, when one side has done every reasonable thing to defuse it and has been rejected, it becomes a foul at that point. Now, I'm sure one way or the other, NBC is going to get nonstop coverage of it, and that's going to be 90% of what we hear about all week. So I'm sure we're not going to forget about it before the end of the weekend. <laughs> well, and, and to your point, I do think that in these types of situations, NASCAR has a way of if the, if the drivers don't make it happen, NASCAR may call uh, a little get-together uh, in their what what was this that they used to call that the red truck or something? Um, shoot, I've forgotten what they used to call that that hauler. Uh, but the NASCAR sometimes will make it a point to, to 
bring these guys together so that they can get things off their chest uh, before this next race happens. So look for that to possibly happen this weekend uh, if these guys don't make it happen themselves. Um, But I do think it's in their best interest uh, to have that conversation. And I'd rather see them do it on their own than to have NASCAR kind of force the issue there Uh, because the last thing we want is for these drivers uh, to use their cars on the track to exact revenge. Um, that's, that's just not cool. And uh, I know Kyle, Christopher Bell would love nothing more than to come back at this racetrack and win. But I guarantee you, unless he addresses this issue with Kyle Larson, it's not going to be a very popular win. Uh, Christopher Bell needs to to kind of stand up, be a man, and and face this head on with uh, Kyle Larson and uh, air it out, as far as I'm concerned. So um, let's see what happens. (laughs) Time will tell the rest of the story, right, uh, Tommy? Yeah, um, I'm just not sure why he's not returning this calls. It was really just a racing incident, but um, maybe Christopher Bell will um, rattle his cage um, in the <laughs> coming, coming weeks. <laughs> we'll have to kind of wait it out and see what happens. Okay, we're back to you, Mike. What's our next topic? Well, I said we were going to talk about an another, another former NASCAR racetrack trying to get back on the schedule. Adam Stern reported this week that IndyCar sounds like they're finalizing talks to bring Iowa Speedway back to their schedule, and there's also word about NASCAR returning to the Speedway in some capacity. Unfortunately, Jay's not with us tonight because I know he'd be all fired up about it as well, but I'm sure this would be good news for you as well, Shannon. Yeah, I'm a big fan of... Uh... Iowa Speedway, but Tommy, before I get into that, I'd like to hear your thoughts. Uh, yeah, there's, I know there's a lot of people that have been saying instead of North Wilkesboro, go back to Iowa. I mean, at least Iowa's already ready to be raced at. Um, so I'm excited to see that IndyCar and NASCAR want to return in some capacity uh, to the track. Um, I don't really remember too many races in Iowa. That's why I'm excited for it to come back because I know that the trucks and the Xfinity race there. And I mean, for the longest time, I only just watched mostly NASCAR. I did watch some Bush and truck races. Now I regularly pretty much don't miss a race, but at one point I wasn't really watching the Xfinity series and the truck series. So I didn't get to see some of these tracks. Like I didn't get to see Nashville super speedway until this year. So I would, I'm really excited to see Iowa if they do bring it back. And I did know the IndyCar used to go there, and then they stopped too. So excited to see the IndyCar wants to return. I, I believe IndyCar used to go there. I could be wrong because yeah, I, I don't really, yeah, I don't really keep up with IndyCar like that. But um, I feel like Rusty Wallace had some involvement in the track as well. Um, but yeah, I'd be really excited to see NASCAR and um, IndyCar return there. Yeah, I think this is fantastic news to hear this, and I'm especially excited about the caveat that NASCAR might be looking at a return to Iowa Speedway as well. Um, 
I think it's a great track. Uh, I know that both the truck series is raced there along with the Xfinity series, uh, the Arkham Menard series. Uh, the East and the West used to do their uh, combo events there. Um, and it was one of my favorite races all year long <laughs> for that combo event to be at Iowa Speedway. Uh, I, I think it's a great location. It's centrally located between the East and the West. Uh, and it's right off of I-80. Uh, you couldn't ask for it to be any easier to get to uh, from the East and the West as well. So uh, I'm excited uh, that Iowa Speedway is in consideration again. I was disappointed when they took it off the schedule last year. ARCA did have a race there this year, uh, and uh, I hope they continue to race there as well. But uh, it'll be fun to see IndyCar uh, at that track and I miss them being at Chicagoland Speedway, too. I know I've mentioned that before, too. I might as well throw that in there. But uh, I'm, I'm glad to hear that these talks are going on, and I hope this is one of those situations that uh, next year we do see them uh, back at Iowa Speedway, both in the IndyCar Series as well as NASCAR. So, Mike, what are your thoughts? Well, I remember right about it a year ago when uh, when we were talking about how we were worried if Iowa Speedway was going to put a lock on the gate and that was going to be it for the place. So it's really good news to see that they're they're back in a positive trajectory in terms of, well, nothing's been announced yet. But it looks like they're moving in the direction of having more national touring series type events at their facility, which is great. Because like Tommy said, it's a really nice facility. It's ready to race tomorrow. So it's not like it needs substantial mm-hmm. investment to bring it back from any sort of state of disrepair. So it's really encouraging to see a Speedway that a lot of people have written off for dead or at least a zombie. Well, now it looks like it might be coming back. And you mentioned Chicagoland, Sharon. I know it's got to give you at least a little bit of hope to get your backyard racetrack back up and running if a place like Iowa can can come back from basically the brink of extinction. So maybe we'll see Chicagoland uh, have some similar news coming out. I know they never had an IndyCar race there, but they did have uh, a NASCAR Cup Series race, which is nothing to sneeze at. So hopefully that uh, that gives a little bit of momentum to Chicagoland Speedway to maybe put something together, if not for next year, in the coming years. Just to just to put a, a word of correction here, uh, I'm sorry, but I have gone to IndyCar races at Chicagoland Speedway, so they have indeed raced at Chicagoland. In fact, they I used to have the it. finale. They used to have the finale at Chicagoland Speedway, which was kind of cool. I was disappointed when they stopped that because I loved going to the IndyCar races <laughs> there. Well, I stand okay. corrected um, then. Thank you. Okay, uh, Tommy, your follow up. Um, just excited to see that it's uh, another track that they're trying to bring back, uh, another kind of new track or revival uh, or something new on the schedule, I guess you could say, for the years to come. Um, isn't is Iowa kind of like a short track? I really, I, it I'm is. I was really going to bring up with... that point too. It is a short track. It's the fastest short track on the planet or something like that, I think is their their tagline. And uh, the ARCA series was still racing there. So, um, I'm, yeah, just excited to see that they would bring it back. And, um, I, oh, yeah, I was going to add that, like y'all were saying, it, it adds other tracks to the Midwest with basically Kansas and Road America. So it would be another great addition to have that back out there. So, um 
hope they do add it in the years to come, and it'll be interesting to see if they do, because then there's another short track and North Wilkesboro and Rockingham, maybe. Since they're out there. Auto Club. Yep, indeed, you're right. Uh, and I was going to bring up the uh, short track aspect of that because uh, the um, with so many there's been so many calls for more short track racing. Uh, it, it is the fastest short track on the planet. Planet is what their tagline is. So uh, uh, it would be great uh, with all of the short tracks uh, that people enjoy watching the short track racing. I don't understand why they would would drop. Iowa Speedway from the schedule. Uh, but uh, I think you're, you're right. There's not a lot that they have to do uh, to make it uh, uh, available, and uh, you, they could race on it tomorrow uh, if, if uh, the need was there for it. So I'm excited uh, that this is these conversations are taking place, and I hope that they do uh, – uh, bring it back, and it'll be another short track, and it'll be exciting racing, uh, no doubt about it in my mind. Okay, Mike. Like you said, we're going to have to keep an eye on this one. Nothing's been announced yet. This is just rumor mill. Granted, it's coming from Adam Stern, so that's usually fairly credible, but until we see some sort of an official announcement from IndyCar or NASCAR, I would consider it rumor only. Both series haven't received, uh, re- uh, released their 2022 schedule yet. Both series are still working on it. We know some bits and pieces here and there between races on their traditional dates and things like that, but in terms of anything maybe gained or lost for tracks for the schedule, we haven't heard anything official one way or the other. So I'm sure we'll talk about it here in the coming months, but it's something for fans to pay attention to. Absolutely. Okay, I guess we're ready to move on to the next hot topic. We're at the top of the hour, so we're in the second half hour here of hot topics. Uh, Tommy, what topic do you want to hit? Let's go with the... uh truck series team to be part-time in a NASCAR Cup Series um, in 2022, uh, Toyota. Okay, I'm not quite following you. Uh, There's a truck series team that's moving to Cup Series? There's a Toyota truck series team that's going to go part-time in the Cup Series next year. which team is it? It's a rumor, and it's like a to-be-determined type thing is speculation. No, it's not been announced yet. So we don't know who who the team is? It's rumored to be Hattori or Thor Sport, but it could be you know, anybody else. Okay. Mike, are you familiar with this? Yeah, I picked this one up a little bit earlier today. Um, it's not necessarily a Toyota team. The image on the uh, the article, which comes from Toby Christie, by the way, is the source on this one. The image in the, uh, in the article featured a picture of a Toyota Cup car, but there's nothing that says that it will be a Toyota team. So the speculation and rumor is that there is another truck series team in addition to GMS that's considering fielding at least a part-time Cup series ride next year. No indication exactly who it is. Like Tommy said, 
Some rumors have circulated about potentially being Hattori because they've talked about that in the past, or Thor Sport with Paul Menard's involvement, uh, part-time with Thor Sport in the truck series. The speculation is Paul might want to get back into the NASCAR Cup Series, at least to a limited capability, and we know he's got the money behind him that if Paul Menard wanted to write the check and make it happen, Paul Menard can get out his checkbook. So that's a that's another possibility, but in terms of anything concrete, I would consider this rumor, but it's something interesting to see. Yeah, it is kind of interesting uh, and full of mystery. I, I know a couple years ago uh, there was conversation about GMS Racing wanting to go full-time in the Cup Series. Uh, it didn't actually come to pass, uh, but they didn't necessarily rule it out for the future either. So I would probably add them possibly into that rumor mill. Um, but, uh, GMS, GMS, GMS is, I think GMS has already announced they are going Cup Series racing next year. They just haven't said oh, okay. who's going to be driving for them. Okay, okay. So this is a different Cup Series team or Truck Series team. Very interesting. <laughs> Uh, I would be happy with either one of those teams. I've had the distinct pleasure of uh, having some having sat down with Shigi Atori and uh, spoken with him, and I'm really impressed with him as a team owner. I, I think he does some pretty cool things. Uh, he comes from Japan, and uh, he works very closely with the NASCAR uh, 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 Technical Institute, and uh, he does a lot of, um, what do you call it, uh, crew sharing, if you will, between uh, the institute in Japan and the institute here in the U.S. And uh, he brings uh, some of the uh, crew members from Japan's uh, technical institute uh, to work on the truck series and uh, ARCA series teams that he runs. And uh, it's just a I, – I just really like Shigiatori and everything that he does. And he used to be a driver himself. So I think he brings a lot of business acumen uh, to his team. And he's an out-of-the-box kind of thinker, which I really like. And uh, I, I would be kind of very excited – if Shigiatori were to go to uh, full-time Cup Series racing. Um, but I would be equally excited for ThorSport Racing. They have uh, a, a quite an operation out in the Sandusky, Ohio, and uh, uh, they have four teams that they uh, put together uh, every year in the Truck Series. And... Uh, I, I don't really care for what happened with uh, Grant Dinfinger this year. I don't necessarily think that it was Thor Sports' fault. But at the same time, I wish they could have done something uh, more to help out uh, Grant Dinfinger. Um, but uh, I would be happy if either one of those teams were to go uh, into the Cup Series. So if that's the rumor mill, I would be supportive of either of those teams. So... Um, my, uh, I'm sorry, Tommy, you brought this up. What are your thoughts? I'm just excited to see who it's going to be. And, um, of course, it's just going to be another 
open seat and a, and a new team. So that's really interesting. But um, hearing about Paul Menard and Thor Sport being a rumor, that's pretty interesting. Uh, Paul Menard wants to get back involved. I mean, he has ran two races this year within uh, Thor Sport. But then I was sitting here thinking of all the big teams because that's most likely who would be who extends into the Cup Series at least. But I could be wrong. It could be a smaller team. But I was thinking GMS has already announced. So there's Hattori, Thor Sport, Kyle Busch, Motorsports, Nice, and um, are, all, are those the big ones in the Truck Series with the, the most – Cars and stuff, I believe, for most teams, I should say. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm not sure if I'm leaving out anybody, but um, it would I think it would be one of those teams. So I'm really interested to see who it would be, um, and who the driver would be. Because if it's a Tory, the maybe they'll let Austin Hill get some Cup Series um starts, and you know if they do. Thor Sport, who do they bring up? Because, I mean, they've got Matt Kraft and Johnny Sauter. They've got some of the older guys. So would they do a younger guy, or who would they do? Would they? Would Paul Menard come back? I mean, I don't know. There's just so many options. So it's going to be interesting to see who it is. Yeah, it definitely is. Mike, what are you, what's your follow-up? Well, as with most things in the sport, it's going to come down to money. Uh, I'm not sure about Hattori's financial situation, whether they have the backing or not to do it. The trucks are sponsored pretty much every race. However, I'm not sure how deep that sponsorship goes or if those sponsors are interested in stepping up to the Cup Series level because it's, even with a Gen 7 car, that is going to be a substantially higher financial commitment as well as a time commitment in order to do something like that. So I'm not sure if, uh, if, if Hattori and their sponsors would want to move up. Force Sports an interesting proposition, but I think if Paul, if Paul Menard's not involved in it, either as a sponsor or as a driver and sponsor, I don't know that that's going to happen. Uh, Thor Sport does fairly well in the truck series, but I don't think, as nice as the Thorsons are, I don't know that their pockets are deep enough to reach in there and pull a Cup Series team out of there. They already had to cut Grant Infinger down to a part-time ride, and he was a Final Four driver. I'm sure they would have loved to keep him full-time if they could have afforded it and made the numbers work, but that kind of tells me that they're probably not sitting on a big pile of cash to be able to just go Cup Series racing because they wanted to. Um, other potential uh, potentials might be like DGR or something like that. I don't know. Kyle Busch, I think he's probably going to keep it as a truck series team. He's kind of said off and on before about not really having much of an interest in moving back into the Xfinity series or fielding a cup series team. And it seems like 2311 is kind of evolving to be the Joe Gibbs racing satellite team. So I think three would be a crowd with Kyle Busch motorsports trying to get into the NASCAR cup series as basically a third or second Joe Gibbs racing satellite team for however many cars that they might consider fielding. So I'm interested to see where this goes. If this goes anywhere, it's a rumor and I wouldn't say it's from a completely untrustworthy source, but at the same time, that's, I would not put it in an Adam Stern, Bob Cochran's level of confidence either. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. I mean, as happy as I would be if either one of those teams were able to make that move, you're right, it's going to take some money to make that happen, not to mention uh, they've got to find a charter as well. So um, uh, it, it is going to be interesting to see where this goes. 
Uh, Palmenar definitely would bring some money to the equation. Uh, but there's some other possibilities, too. I read recently somewhere, I was just looking for it, where Kevin Harvick said um, there's some possibilities that he would uh, become a team owner again next season. So uh, I can't find exactly where I saw that information now. But, uh, uh, you know, it's possible. Kevin Harvick used to be very successful with KHI in the truck series. Uh, I know he's not in the truck series now, but um, he he could possibly be someone who could bring some money to a truck series team as well and uh, maybe make some things happen. Uh, The rumor with him is that he's not going to race next season, uh, that he's going to become more of an, take more of an owner position next year. So I don't know if the two are related or not, but I just throw that out there as a possibility. So, uh, Tommy, you get the last word here. I'm just excited to see how it plays out or interested to see how it plays out. Um, If it is true, just see who it'll be. Um, because GMS is already announced. So, like I said, there's really only a handful of teams that could potentially be, and that would be up between the Tory, Thor Sport, Nice, Kyle Busch Motorsports, and, uh, gosh, I, I guess those are the only the big teams. So, I mean, like I said, it'd just be interesting, and it's a, another seat for another driver, whoever that is to be. So excited to see how that plays out. Okay, Mike, you're up for the next top topic. Uh, Something, something, butts, air, seats, whatever. All right, speaking of butts in the air for seats, uh, Kurt Busch was doing a media (laughs) availability sometime sometime a couple days ago, and he was asked about what is coming up for him since we saw Ross Chastain get officially announced as the driver for the second Trackhouse car. Uh, In case you don't remember, Trackhouse bought the NASCAR racing operation from Chip Ganassi Racing. They're going to field a Mm two-car team next year. We found out it was going to be Daniel Suarez, who currently races for Trackhouse, and then Ross Chastain will be the second driver for that two-car track house racing team starting with next season. Well, they were asking Kurt Busch about what that means for him, and there were a couple interesting little nuggets. Kurt made it sound like he was one of the guys pushing for track house to take Chastain, which was interesting because you figure Kurt would be lobbying for his job, but that wasn't really the case. And the other thing that was interesting was Kurt didn't really announce anything because he said it wasn't available or ready to be announced yet, but he made it sound like he's got some sort of a done deal for next year. He just can't say what it is, but it sounds like it's just a couple details that need to get polished out before they can make an initial, a final announcement in probably the coming weeks to a month or so. So I'm wondering who that could potentially be and do we really believe that Kurt was pushing for Ross Chastain to get the, the track house job, or was that just a little bit of sour grapes and sportsmanship on Kurt's part? Interesting. <laughs> okay, so I'm looking at this uh, post here on uh, Twitter, and below there's a reply from somebody who there's a video here of Kurt Bush talking in front of an Xfinity truck. And this person is is putting the question out there, is there an Easter egg in there standing in front of an Xfinity vehicle? That's interesting. Uh, I would find it really surprising 
uh, unless he was going there as a team owner or something, that Kurt Busch would be going to the Xfinity Series. But who knows? Uh, a lot of things can happen, and we'll have to kind of wait and see how this plays out. It says he wanted the deal done by his birthday, which is August the 4th, uh, but that uh, has definitely come and gone, uh, and we don't have any word yet on what that deal is. Um, but uh, I find it very intriguing, and uh, I guess we'll just have to wait and see what happens. Uh, uh, Mike? Or no, I think it's Tommy's turn. Tommy, are you still um, with us? Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. Uh, the, the mute button was still on. Um, Kurt Busch, I'm excited to see that he has an announcement coming. Um, he pretty much already said that, or we had talked about on the podcast before, that his options were pretty much Trackhouse, which is now Chastain, and then he had 23XI, so it could be that. They could have gotten their second charter, and he'll be in uh, He'll be the second car next year with them. He'll be teammates with Bubba. Um, so, And then the other option was that he was going to be in the booth. I believe. So I'm just excited to see what it's going to be, and it sounds like they're waiting for an announcement date. And, yeah, hopefully it's that 23XI car, second team. Um, it's just going to be a, a stacked field. I feel like uh, there's going to be a ton of cars next year, new teams. Uh, it's going to be exciting. I'm ready for it. Okay, uh, maybe it's the Xfinity Series broadcast booth. <laughs> Mike, what do you, what's your follow-up? I don't know that I would read too much into the fact that he was interviewed in front of an Xfinity trailer. Remember, Xfinity has a huge presence at these races. They're a title sponsor for the Xfinity yep. Series, as well as several races on various schedules throughout the year, as well as on some of the race cars themselves. So they're going to have trailers out there, whether it be for uh, support of their company or selling merchandise or anything else in between that they might use the trailer for. Probably a coincidence. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know. Maybe Kurt Busch is playing some 4D chess with us. It wouldn't be the first time Kurt has relished playing mind games with people. So maybe it is. I don't know. But Tommy, Tommy brings up a good point. Kurt has been linked to the second 2311 car, uh, which hasn't even really been announced yet. It's just assumed that there will be a second 2311 car. Um, and Kurt Busch's name has been on pretty much everyone's short list for it. Not sure if it's actually on Denny and Michael Jordan's short list, but on everyone else who doesn't know anything about the situation, it certainly is on their short list. Um, other potential opportunities, I don't know. You know, it's, there's a lot of, of new teams that have kicked around the idea of getting into NASCAR. Back on that previous topic we talked about with the truck series, don't forget Kurt Busch has a very deep sponsorship connection with Monster Energy. So sure. there's a potential funding source. If, there, if indeed there's a truck team looking to go Cup Series racing, and if that truck team is looking for a driver that they could drop into the seat and give them the very best chance for success, and that driver is going to bring some sponsorship to the table – 
it's really hard to do better than Kurt Busch, at least in terms of drivers that are available. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on. I really don't know where Kurt's going to land. Tommy also mentioned about potentially being in the broadcast booth, which isn't out of the realm of possibility. Kurt has done some of the Fox Sports broadcasts when they bring other drivers in for their individual telecasts, and he does fairly well. I wouldn't be upset to see him in the booth either. So I'll have to keep an eye on what Kurt Busch is doing for next year. Oh, and the plot thickens. I can't wait to see how this plays out. (laughs) But I I do kind of get the feeling that there will be an announcement fairly soon, and uh, we'll hear more about what's going to happen with Kurt Busch. I don't have a whole lot to add to it, so I'm ready to move on. Uh, But, Tommy, what are your final thoughts? Just excited to see what it is and hope that it is soon. does sound like it will be in the near future. And uh, I really think it's going to be the 23XI car, but um, you guys are right. When he has been in the booth, he hasn't been that bad. Um, so I'm sure either, but I want to see him keep on racing. So I really hope it's the, the second team at 23XI. Okay. Okay, Mike, what's our next topic? Well, I brought up the uh, the Kurt Busch one that we just talked about. So I've got other ones okay. we can talk about, or if we want to defer to Tommy and let him bring one up. Okay, Tommy, go ahead. I'm, I don't have my paper tonight to keep me on track. So <laughs> go ahead, Tommy. Uh, let's go with um, the all-star race going back to Texas. Okay, that's a good one. Mike, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, we uh, this I guess we finally got confirmation that instead of it being some sort of a rotation or uh, an alternating between Charlotte, Bristol, Texas, or some other format, it sounds like it's going right back to Texas Motor Speedway. Um, I've got mixed feelings about it. I, I think it was a fair trade. Basically, Texas Motor Speedway gave up a points race in order to get Coda on the schedule as a points race. I think that was a fair trade. And the exchange, Texas Motor Speedway, got the all-star race. As far as the race itself this year, I wasn't super jazzed up about it. I thought they gimmicked it up a little bit too much, and that was just trying to cover up for the traditionally pretty bad racing that occurs with Texas after about eight laps. And they did as good of a job as they can do at a facility like that. So it's going to be what it's going to be. If it means keeping Coda on the schedule, we have to endure an all-star race at Texas Motor Speedway. Okay, I'm on board. I, I'm kind of with uh, with Jay on what we were talking about earlier in the group chat. Of there's a lot of other tracks where they could do that all star race, and a lot of other tracks I think would put on a much better show, including ones that aren't on the NASCAR schedule. Places like Iowa, or even somewhere that we haven't raced before at all, like New Smyrna down across the street from Daytona, would be another really good opportunity to showcase a track that doesn't really get a whole lot of attention, and they can do it without sacrificing a points paying race on the schedule. Yeah, I'm with you, though, when it comes to Texas Motor Speedway uh, and the All-Star Race being the compromise uh, for having CODA on the schedule. I definitely like the idea of having CODA on the schedule. I want to see them back uh, on the schedule for the 2022 season. I've got my fingers crossed that that's going to happen. In fact, I think, well, we'll wait and see, I guess. But... um, uh, I also agree, we kind of thought that this was going to be an opportunity to kind of rotate the all-star race uh, to several different tracks uh, over the course of time. So I'm a little disappointed from that perspective. 
Uh, but if it means that we get to keep code on the schedule, then I'm all for it. Um, I, uh, I think there are a lot of possibilities uh, for that all-star race. I think they could choose a lot of different tracks. Uh, you bring up some good, uh, a good opportunity there, uh, perhaps with New Smyrna. New Smyrna is a pretty small track, though, uh, so I don't know if they would be able to do it there. But um, I would like to see them explore some other possibilities. Uh, but we'll go back to Texas, and I hope everybody enjoys it. And, and uh, you know, then we look forward to the 2023 season. Uh, at a different track. So we'll see what happens as uh, time progresses here. Uh, Tommy, what are your thoughts? Uh, I'm biased against Texas. I'm not really a fan of it. Um, I just don't remember the last time that I can actually say that there was a a Texas race that I really remember. I just I didn't really think the All-Star race was that great. But then again, the last couple ones in Charlotte, in my opinion, weren't really that great. I did like the one at Bristol. I thought that was pretty cool how they did the lights and they switched the – they moved the numbers back. I thought that was interesting. But I'm sitting here thinking that there's other options and kind of like how the NBA, how they do a city – like, you could go – NASCAR could do the race in Las Vegas. I, I do like Texas as an option also, too, actually, because that, that's – isn't it outside of Dallas, I think? Um, or or I, I might be Fort wrong. Worth. I'm not sure where it's – it's outside Fort yeah. Worth. Well, that's still, yeah. that's still a big city. Um, Chicago land calls outside of Chicago. Homestead, it's outside of Miami. Um Charlotte just calls it the hometown fans um, in in Charlotte, the local, I guess. And it, it was always the all-star race. Uh, Atlanta, because it's outside of Atlanta. So, I mean, there's so many options for them to, for them to go to for sure. But, um, yeah, I'm not really excited for Texas. But, I mean, it is what it is. And it might, might actually be they could improve it from – how it was this year. And it wasn't that it was a bad race or anything like that. I just, I'm biased against Texas. I don't don't really, really like it. Okay. Mike. Well, I I kind of agree with Tommy. I think anybody not named Eddie Gossage is kind of, eh, not super excited about it going back to Texas. It's going to be what it's (laughs) going to be. And I agree with you, Sharon. As long as we get Coda back, I think it was, it, it's worth the pain. Um, if we don't get Coda back, I'm going to feel cheated. But and Tommy brings up a, an interesting idea. He keeps naming off these big cities that have racetracks. Well, that might be a good a good way to get our toe in the door for Nashville. It, so we don't want the big hullabaloo of a NASCAR Cup Series points-paying race. Hey, how about one uh, one Saturday night show-and-go kind of race at Nashville Fairground Speedway. I think that would be a, a kind of a good way to wedge ourselves in there without the massive commitment that comes from a whole Cup Series weekend and, and kind of show exactly what we're offering to the city of Nashville with hopefully the best racing product that we've got to offer, or at least the very best drivers that we do. Absolutely. I think that's, uh, those are all uh, very intriguing ideas, and I like it. Um, 
but uh, yeah, I guess it's just, gosh, I hate to keep saying this, but time always tells the rest of the story, and that's just the way this is. Um, we'll have to kind of wait this one out another year to hear the rest of the story, uh, but I do hope that NASCAR is listening, and I hope that they they realize uh, that uh, there, are, there are so many other options um, to do the all-star race, and uh, it's you know, let's explore some of those options. While you were talking about it, I was kind of envisioning having some kind of a lottery uh, where at this year's all-star race, uh, they put all these different tracks into a hat and you pull it out of the hat for where the all-star race is going to be for next year. Um, but logistically, that might be impossible to do. Uh, just a kind of a, a happy thought for a moment there. Uh, that was running through my head. Um, I, I just think they need to rotate it like they said they were going to do. Uh, and if they do that, then I think fans will be a whole lot happier. Uh, so, uh, Tommy, what's your final word on it? I like Nashville as an option. Um now that I'm actually thinking of it, I don't know if this would be a good one, but if we're still doing the big city to add it to it, Indianapolis, um, I don't know if the Brickyard would be a good race, road course, or oval for all-star. But either way, I mean, big city, the race would be shorter. So, I mean, it, you know, just interesting to think about. And then another one to consider, Daytona road course. Uh, why? Why, why not? I don't know how a, a road course would be for an all-star race, but they want to race there. Why not do that? Because I, I would rather the Bud Shootout be an oval versus the road course. But, I mean, either way, I'm still going to watch the race. I'm, I'm happy with whatever day to decide. Sure. But um, uh, not really excited for Texas all-star race, but um, – you know, it, it it makes sense. It was a sacrifice for Coda, and I do want them to go back there as well, so I'll take it. Okay. Uh, okay, now it's your turn, Mike, to take us to the next well, topic. But I'm, before you do that, I am going to do an announcement. <laughs> uh, we are at that time of the night uh, where for any of our new listeners who are tuning in for the first time, uh, we just want you to know that we're going to go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, but we are going to continue our conversation beyond that time, and we will keep the recording going. So uh, you'll be able to hear the rest of our conversation uh, on our podcast. What I do is I go out on Twitter as soon as we're done here, usually anywhere between 15 to uh, 30 minutes, and I will let you know that the podcast is available and at that point, you can go to the uh, player that's uh, Log Talk Radio on the Fan for Racing Network, or you can go to our fanforacing.com website, and uh, on the player there, you can fast forward to the two-hour mark to hear the rest of our conversation here tonight. So, again, we like to make the announcement at this point of the night so that nobody's taken off guard when we go off the air while we're still talking uh, and in the middle of a conversation on a particular topic. Uh, so nobody's, again, taken off guard. So with that, Mike, go ahead and bring us to our next top topic. 
all right, this is going to be painful. I'm going to gut my way through it. Massa Benedetto has talked about being open to all offers now, including the NASCAR Xfinity Series. Uh, if you don't remember, uh, a couple weeks ago it was made official that the Benedetto will not be returning to the Wood Brothers 21. That was already kind of – it was already announced last year that he would be out and Austin Sindrick would be into the 21. However, with the news of Brad Keselowski moving over to Roush Fenway into the six car and Austin Sindrick taking over the two, there was a little bit of hope that Matt Benedetto would end up staying in the 21, but that's not the case. He will be let go at the end of the year in favor of Harrison Burton moving into the Wood Brothers 21. So now Matt's looking for rise and he's open to anything, including the Xfinity series. Okay, so Tommy, uh, I think I know what you're going to say, but I want to hear it. <laughs> uh, I'm excited to hear that he's open to it. Um, I mean, now that Cindric's out of that 22 car in the Xfinity Series next year, why not put Matt there? There's If he stays with Ford, there's also Stuart Haas. He could slide into Riley Herbst's spot. Um, maybe Joe Gibbs. Um, I know we. I, I'm strongly believe Ty Gibbs is going to be one of their full time drivers next year for sure. Uh, of course, John Hunter Nima checks out there lingering, but what about Matty D? He's, I mean, he's an option. There's also those part time uh, teams in Cup that are they making their debut, like GMS calling um, whoever this new team is to be announced to be determined um, if it is, if that does happen, but still there's those part-time options out there. So, uh, and then there's also the truck series, but either way, I think that he'll be full-time somewhere in the trucker Xfinity series or part-time, or maybe something else will come along and maybe he will end up being full-time somehow in the cup series. Who knows? But, um, I really want to see where he lands because I want him to land somewhere where he can really do good so that way he can either stay in the Cup Series or find a better car in the Cup Series so he can – well, I mean, he's already in a good car, but I just wanted to work out for him. Him and Daniel Hembrick need to catch a break. They've been finishing second a lot. It's time for them to hit a breakthrough. I just had a very intriguing thought, uh, and I, I feel a little bit like, uh, Steve Letart, who is brutally honest and said he loves Matty D. He's a nice guy, but you got to win races if you want to stay in Cup Series. Uh, but a thought just struck me. You know, we've heard rumors too about Jimmy Johnson uh, entertaining thoughts of racing in NASCAR. And thinking about that 2311 car, um, I know we're talking about it being a feeder series into Joe Gibbs Racing, but I don't know. I could also see that or maybe some other car in NASCAR being a part-time car that could be shared by Jimmy Johnson and, and say, a Matt DiBenedetto. You couldn't ask for a better mentor than Jimmy Johnson uh, to help a driver like a, like a nice guy like Matt DiBenedetto. Uh, I would like to see him paired up with somebody like that. Even Kurt Busch, if he comes back part-time, uh, putting Matty D with a driver like that. But I also like the idea 
of uh, Master Benedetto entertaining something perhaps in the Xfinity series. And I wouldn't be opposed if he decided to go to the truck series either. Um, but I, I, just the thought of him ride-sharing with uh, another uh, driver, uh, a really good driver, uh, could be a really good thing for Matty D. So I hope he's open to a lot of different possibilities um, and and to, something that is going to help really stimulate uh, interest in him uh, for, you know, future rides down the road. So I don't know that, what your guys' thoughts are about that, but uh, let's hear what you have to say, Mike. All right. I'm going to be brutally objective here because I, I, it's – it's well known I'm a Matt Benedetto fan, but I'm glad you brought up Steve Latart and Steve Latart was right. Winners get rides. Matt Benedetto has had opportunities two years in a row with the Wood Brothers and the year before that with the Joe Gibbs affiliated Levine Family Racing. He had some really mm-hmm. good ride, uh, really good runs. He couldn't close the deal. At some point, you've got to move on to find somebody who's going to give your team the best opportunity to win. Do I believe that's Harrison Burton? Probably not. To be honest with that, I don't think Harrison Burton is going to do better than Matt Benedetto in the 21 car, but Harrison Burton's ship is still in port. I believe the ship has sailed for Matt Benedetto, which is disappointing to say, but I think that's the case. I don't see Matt Benedetto ending up in a competitive ride. Uh, within the Cup Series, he might end up making a step back to a backmarker team, but with as many different organizations that are looking to get into Cup Series racing or expand their presence in there, I don't know how many opportunities he's going to have even at that level because a lot of those teams are going to sell out of their charters, and those are going to go to teams that are trying to develop or expand, and they're moving in a direction with young drivers or drivers who still have opportunities to present themselves. Okay, so we look into the NASCAR Xfinity Series. There are four drivers, from what I understand, four drivers in the NASCAR Xfinity Series who are currently being paid by their race team versus bringing money to the table and paying the race team to drive the car every weekend. I don't believe Matt Benedetto will be one, uh, the fifth one of those. I don't think he brings enough to the table in terms of competitiveness, and he doesn't have any sponsorship that he's bringing to the table to try and buy himself into a ride. It's a tough place to be in. I hate it because Matt Benedetto is a really good dude. He's a good race car driver, but he's not a great race car driver. And, I would love to see him get into something competitive and maybe turn his career back around. But unfortunately I see more doors closing than I see opening, which is a contrast from the previous couple of years where when one door closed for the Benedetto, a couple more opened. I think the doors are closing this time. Okay. Uh, Tommy, what are your thoughts? I just hope it works out for him. Hope he finds, uh, I mean, I'd like to see him do the Xfinity Series, kind of like how John Hunter Nemechek went back down and got in a good car and dominated. Um, that's kind of what I want uh-huh. to see happen for him, but there are some good points there about his uh, lack of sponsorship, uh, which stinks, because uh, I think him given – well, I mean, he has been in the 21 car, and he's been close to winning – he just hasn't pulled it off yet. But at some point, like I said, him and Hemrick have to have their breakthrough. But you guys are right. The doors are closing more than they are opening. But I'm just, I guess, still optimistic and hopeful that he'll, it'll work out. And um, maybe it'll be part-time somewhere in the Cup Series. And, he, he, you know, who knows? I mean, he's 
he, maybe he can pull it off at Daytona or Talladega. I mean, what, you just need a win. <laughs> That'll change everything probably, so hopefully it happens for him. And he's still got time in a 21 car. Maybe he can win this year and prove that he is capable still, and maybe it'll work out for him. I'm kind of like you, Tommy. I agree that the doors are probably starting to close for him, but I would love to see him in the Xfinity Series uh, and go out there and race for a um, championship. Uh, But sponsorship is a big part of that, and and, – He's going to have to. He's going to have to work really hard for that. I know he's had a lot of driver support in the past from drivers like Kevin Harvick and and uh, Denny Hamlin, and um, you know they're only going to go so far with that. I guess uh, everybody likes Matt Cavanaugh. It has nothing to do with him as a person. Uh, he's 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 a good driver. He's just not a great driver. And uh, as much as everybody likes him, and a lot of people do, uh, at some point uh, the rubber's got to hit the road. And uh, I'm just so happy to hear that he's open to other opportunities besides a Cup Series ride as well. And like I say, it just ran through my mind, what about him in a part-time ride? But I don't even know how feasible that really is. Um, uh, it's, It's a nice thought but there are a lot of factors that go into that, uh, as Mike points out, and we'll have to kind of wait and see how it plays out. So, Mike, you get the final word there, I guess. Yeah, it really sucks. I'm, like I said repeatedly, I'm a, I'm a big Matthew Benedetto fan. He's been a great Cinderella story for the past probably five years or so within the sport with how he's moved up from really bad teams to not quite as bad teams to pretty decent teams to a really good team. But it hit midnight for Cinderella too, unfortunately. And uh-huh. it, it, I don't know that this is the end for Matt Benedetto, but things aren't looking super promising. Like Tommy said, I hope he can pull off and get the, get the Wood Brothers that 100th win before he leaves the team at the end of the season. I know it would be huge for him, not just for his career, but for him personally, uh, as well as the team, because the Wood Brothers have come, they're another kind of a Cinderella, or at least a comeback story, uh, from how they went from part-time almost closing the doors to being back full-time associated with Team Penske. So getting that 100th win for the Wood Brothers would be a fitting send-off for Matt Benedetto, and certainly a resume booster for him to try and find opportunities elsewhere. Okay. Okay, Tommy, you got any other topics up your sleeve there? Uh, I don't. I think uh, we've hit, or I've hit most of the ones I wanted to talk about tonight with you guys. Okay. Mike. Yeah, I mean, we've got the the quick note of uh, Max Pappas is going to be out, unfortunately, this weekend for COVID. Um it is what it is. Uh, so the number 17 car in the Xfinity series is going to be driven by J.J. Yaley. I don't know that we need to go around the horn on that, but that's some that's some breaking news that came out this afternoon. Unfortunately, one of the road course ringers isn't going to make it for the weekend. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think we need to go around the horn. Uh, but it is worth noteworthy news uh, that came out. I'm disappointed that uh, Max Pappas is not going to be in the car. I was kind of looking forward to seeing him behind the wheel, uh, again here in NASCAR, but, uh, I'm glad to see JJ Yaley is going to be able to step in. Uh, anything else that we've missed uh, here? Richardson. 
Oh, well, we've talked about the competition between Larson and Hamlin, and now they're tied in the point standings. Did we talk about that on Monday? No, I don't think we did. Okay, well, let's talk about that real quick. We've got a few minutes here. Um, and, uh, Tommy, we'll start with you on that. Michigan and Daytona coming up. Um, Kyle Larson locked himself in there pretty well. Well, I mean, I think he's got the advantage on him is what, I'm, what I meant to say there. Um because I really think Hamlin needs to get a win because there's still a possibility in my mind that he might not actually get the uh, uh, regular season championship and then he might not even get in the playoffs. So, but then again, he can win at Daytona because he's a threat there. So, um, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how that works out. But um, Harvick and Hamlin, I don't really think that they're safe at all. Okay. Uh, Mike? Well, this season, I think the the real question is, Denny who? I, I get he's been the <laughs> points leader, but Denny Hamlin has been uh, a, you know, a ghost this whole season. Uh, he's He's been obviously up front close enough to hold on to the points lead for the majority of the season, but he hasn't really been in serious contention to win any any number of races this year. Uh, he's just been consistently decent but not good, but those chickens are kind of coming home to roost. Um, Kyle Larson is the points leader right now. He has the same number of points as Denny Hamlin. However, by virtue of the tiebreaker, which is the number of wins for the season, Kyle Larson at uh-huh. five, Denny Hamlin at a whopping zero. Kyle Larson is the points leader right now, and if the season were to end right now, the regular season were to end right now, Kyle Larson would be the regular season points champion, not Denny Hamlin. Um, and that, that tiebreaker is it, you know, probably not going to be changed. Well, I guess mathematically it can't be changed. Denny's not going to get five wins before the end of the regular season. So Tommy brought up an interesting point. Could Denny Hamlin miss the playoffs entirely? Theoretically, yes. However, what it would take would be a new winner who is not currently in the playoffs this weekend at Indianapolis, as well as a new winner at both Michigan and Daytona. So three new winners not named Denny Hamlin, and Denny Hamlin could potentially be out. Now, two winners not named Kevin Harvick, and Kevin Harvick is out, but that's a completely different story. Um, so, yes, Denny Hamlin could theoretically miss the playoffs. However, the likelihood of that is fairly low, um, especially with it being a road course this weekend. Pretty much everyone who's good at road courses has already won a race. Now, that's not to say that we couldn't get a shocker this weekend. It happens. But, you know, as far as history has said, it's most likely not going to happen. That leaves an opportunity for a surprise winner at Michigan and a surprise winner at Daytona. I'd be more nervous if I was Kevin Harvick than if I was Denny Hamlin because Kevin Har- even if Denny Hamlin's not the regular season champion, Kevin Harvick will not be able to get enough points to pass Denny Hamlin in those point standings for that final single points transfer spot into the playoffs if we do get two new winners at Michigan and Daytona. Uh, you've heard people saying never say never. Uh, and I know you're not saying never, Mike, but if any year – that might be true, it would be this year. Because I've never seen the playoffs build up to what this year's playoffs is building up to be. Um, And it may end up fizzling and not being nearly as intriguing as the possibilities. 
but uh, it certainly is possible uh, that we could get those two new winners or even three new winners over the next three uh, races. Um, is it likely? You're probably right. It's probably not likely, but we've seen a lot of things this year that weren't likely that did happen, uh, including Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick last year being two of the most winningest drivers uh, on the circuit last year and to this year having zero wins. Uh, Who would have ever thought that would happen? Uh, And yet it has. So I'm kind of intrigued by the way this is all playing out. You're right, Larson is technically the points leader right now, even though he's tied with Hamlin by virtue of his wins. Uh, But Hamlin... um, Hamlin could certainly come up with a victory between now and uh, Daytona, including Daytona, which is the last race of the regular season. So I still have hopes that maybe him and Harvick will come up with a victory uh, before this is all said and done. And it might be the first time that we have uh, 16 or more (laughs) uh, drivers who have victories um, uh, going into the playoffs. So I think it's an interesting season, uh, and I'm intrigued by it. I want to see it continue to play out over these next three races and see what happens. I'm certainly going to be tuning in to find out, and I hope a lot of other people are too. Uh, So uh, what's your follow-up, Tommy? Uh, Yeah, I'm just excited to see how it shakes out. Um, I really do think that there is a – chance because like you said it's been, it's been a crazy year um maybe there could be three surprise winners is it highly unlikely for indianapolis and uh michigan yes but i mean chase briscoe austin cindrick are good road course racers and aj i think he's racing sunday too so i mean maybe uh-huh. one of them could pull off the shocker at indianapolis then at michigan maybe another shocker happens like maybe Harvick gets the win, or Austin Dillon, or Tyler Reddick, or somebody, and then Daytona throw in Ricky Stenhouse or Bubba Wallace or somebody like that to to win. So I mean, it, it the possibilities are out there, but we could get just a repeat winner for Michigan, or maybe Denny Hamlin can win Daytona. I mean, he has won like the last three or four races there, so that's an option too. So. Maybe he is safe after all. Okay. Uh, Mike, your follow-up. Yeah, I'm not sure how this is going to play out. Remember last year going into Daytona, we had a three-way points battle between Jimmy Johnson, William Byron, and Matt Benedetto, and they were all within less than 10 points of each other for that final cutoff position. Obviously, William Byron won the race, and Matt Benedetto had uh, the points advantage over Jimmy Johnson. I don't think we're going to end up with as tight of a squeaker in terms of points go this year. There's a couple pretty big gaps in there between the, the guys who are right around that cutoff bubble. Now, things could change if we get a winners this weekend uh, like Tommy mentioned Chase Briscoe is in play if Chase Briscoe wins this weekend he's in the playoffs if Austin Sindrick wins this weekend Denny Hammond and Kevin Harvick breathe a sigh of relief because even if Austin Sindrick wins this weekend he's a part-time only driver and his win does mm-hmm. not affect the playoffs in terms of seeding um, that does he's prevent somebody else driver. from getting 
and the NASCAR Cup Series he is. No, he's a full-time. No, I'm talking about Chase Briscoe. I thought you said Chase Briscoe was a part-time driver. That's what I said. If Briscoe wins, he's in. If Cindric wins in the NASCAR Cup Series, okay. uh, all, all Austin Cindric does is prevent somebody else from getting those five bonus playoff points from the NASCAR Cup Series playoffs. And that helps right. Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick. Now, Michigan is an interesting one. Michigan's, I would say, is probably a more of a wild card than you would think just because we know Kyle Larson was really good at Michigan back when he was driving Chip Ganassi cars. He was very good at the two-mile ovals of Michigan and Fontana, and that's where he got, I think, five of his six wins that he got while he was driving for Chip Ganassi. So that's a, a, a strong possibility that Larson wins there. Again, that helps Denny Hammond and Kevin Harvick because it doesn't give you a new winner. However, Tommy mentioned Austin Dillon. Austin Dillon has, a, has an interesting little habit of being completely off the playoff grid and then suddenly winning one. He did it at Texas. He did it at, uh, wasn't Fontana. I forget where he snuck one in last year. But either way, Austin Dillon has that sneaky win in him every single year. And Michigan, if I was going to put the three-car in victory lane, I would bet Michigan is probably Austin Dillon's best chance if he doesn't just kind of come out of the Daytona bingo machine. And like I said, Daytona is a bingo machine. You've got guys who are good there, but you've also got guys who are lucky there. Um, Look at Michael McDowell won the Daytona 500. Yeah, he's been a decent plate racer, but he hasn't exactly been everyone's favorite going into a plate race every single year, and he won the Daytona 500. So who knows who could end up winning at Daytona? I guess that's why they figured out to put it at the end of the regular season there because we're going to be talking about it for the rest of the week and uh, all through the (laughs) the end of the month when they do that regular season wrap-up there. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, I I agree with you guys. It's just going to be fun to watch, and we'll see what happens when it's all said and done. Uh, But uh, uh, I just think this has been one of the more intriguing uh, lead-ups to the last three races and and, uh, leading into the playoffs, especially with two big superstars like Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick, both without wins and both perhaps being in jeopardy, uh, depending on what does happen on the track. So uh, tune in and find out what happens. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Okay. Uh, with that, I think I think we're ready to call it a night. Uh, and uh, we'll be back on air this Monday night to review a whole of the races uh, that are taking place this weekend at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Uh, but let's go ahead and do our roundtable now. Uh, and, Tommy, we'll start with you. Uh, at Cincinnati Fan on Twitter or uh, Tommy C um, underscore 24. Uh, I think my last tweet was actually in regards to the old NASCAR Thunder video games. Um it actually, I think I got two people who favored it that uh, weren't you guys. So go out, uh, get out there, follow me on Twitter, everybody. Um, my opinions on Twitter, or I guess not my opinions, but some people seem to view them. So I mean, I like sharing them. But yeah, the last one was about NASCAR Thunder video games. Okay, and Mike. 
Sure. It's Mike underscore Orzel on Twitter, Mike double underscore O on Reddit. Not only do people like my opinions, but they understand that they are always factually correct as well. Uh, Unfortunately, due to work, I'm going to be missing the next two weeks worth of shows, and I'm going to be traveling on Sunday. So I'm going to have to figure out how I'm going to be able to watch the NASCAR Cup Series race at Indianapolis this weekend, but you better believe I'm not going to miss it. I'll catch up with you all when I can. You might see, hopefully see an article for me before the next time you hear me on air, so keep an eye out for that, even if I'm not on here plugging it. Okay. Uh, and uh, I am NASCAR. I am Fan for Racing site on Twitter and uh, Fan for Racing blog and radio everywhere else, including our website, fanforracing.com. Uh, and uh, we are definitely going to be watching the races this weekend. And, uh, Tommy, if you're available these next two uh, Thursday nights, I can definitely plug you in uh, to fill in for, for uh, Mike here. So let me know either here or on our team page, and we'll kind of proceed from there. But uh, we already know that uh, he's not going to be on. So if you're available, we'd love to have you. All right. Uh, to be determined, um, I don't really know my schedule yet for the next two weeks. Um, I should be moving here soon. I'm still in Raleigh, but I am going to be moving to Nashville probably in the next month or two or maybe even before uh-huh. then. It's all depends on the closing date. Well, that's good news. We'll have our own inside person at, in Nashville. <laughs> oh, oh, not Tennessee, North North Carolina, not not Tennessee. Oh, not Tennessee. Okay, <laughs> I'm glad you clarified that. Okay, so um, that's uh, still good news for you, I think, and I'm happy for you. Um, but, yeah, I'll, uh, let me know as soon as you can, and we'll proceed from there. Before we go, I want to uh, do a big shout-out to our listeners for tuning in. We appreciate everybody uh, for doing that. And also to our Fan for Racing crew here tonight, we had Sal Segala here on a Thursday night. That doesn't happen very often. And then also Mike and Tommy here for Hot Topics. So uh, I appreciate all you guys for taking the time to be here tonight. And uh, Mike, we'll look forward to having you back when you're able to come back in a couple of weeks. Uh, So with that, I think we're ready to call it a night. All right. Good night, everybody. Okay. Good night. And we'll See you on Monday. Enjoy your race weekend. With Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.